Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Please welcome Chris Jericho. Counted the stars on the 4th of July. Wishing we were rockets bursting in the sky. Talking about redemption and things we left behind. And the sun sank west of the Mendocino County Line. Mr. Leanne Womack. Spacious Monday morning feeling washed away. I orchestrated paradise, couldn't make you stay. Dance with the horses through the sands of time. As the sun sank west of the Mendocino County Line. Pictures and I keep these photographs to remind me of the time. These pictures and these photographs let me know I'm doing fine. I used to make you happy once upon a time, but the sun sank west of the Mississippi. Um, Fozzie? Putting Fozzie aside, have you ever heard Chris Jericho perform that song before? It would be funny if one day he would do it just as a gag, but, um, mm, you know, not uh, the Chris Jericho's best work, let's just say like that. And I am a huge Jericho fan for decades. And uh, him appearing on Raw for the first time in 99 was my number one favorite moment of Raw in its history. Well, probably never change. I don't I can't see how anybody could top that. But for those wondering what that was all about, with Chris Jericho singing. Well, back in 2006, Fox had a reality series called Celebrity Duets. You have two celebrities performing, I guess more like oddballs, and then they would be critiqued by judges. You have Marie Osmond, Little Richard, and the third person I could not remember, to be honest with you. Don't remember his name. And it was this week in 06 that Chris Jericho performed, and let's just say that he was, in fact, eliminated. So there you go. A little look back. And, and, you know, remember, Jericho had been banging out tunes with Fozzie since 1999. So it wasn't that he was just venturing into music. Look, he was taking some time off here and there with WWE doing outside ventures. Remember the game show that he was involved in? He had done quite a few things. VH1, he did that whole series. So, hey, you know, he wanted to try it out. Kudos for him having the balls to do so. It just uh, wasn't some of his greatest work. So anyway, what's up, everyone? If my voice sounds a little tired, believe it or not, I'm actually doing this at around, I'm looking at the clock. I'm doing this at 6.14 in the morning. 
because I needed to bang this out as quickly as possible, put it on our patrons uh, Saturday morning, be released to everyone else on Tuesday morning. So I present you episode 35 of This Week in Wrestling History. This week, we cover the period of August 28th through September 3rd. And this is going to be a fun episode. Um, There's going to be a couple of personal stories involving yours truly because this week is the anniversary that XPW invaded the Northeast, invaded the ECW arena, had their first ever event hostile takeover. I worked for XPW. There was a boatload of controversy at that time. And I'm going to share a couple of stories that took place right around this weekend. You know, there's a lot of other crazy stories that I could tell. And in time, I will definitely tell some more here and there. Some you've never heard before. But I'm going to focus mainly on this weekend. Some of it you would have heard already. But now you can envision what that weekend was like for yours truly. You know, just everything that went down. And, you know, other hotline hosts went to this event as well. If anybody remembers Matt Zombie, Brian Damage, I think Captain Ivan went to it. Um, it's just, we're going to get into it when the time comes in this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. It really is. I'm so looking forward to getting into that. Uh, there's a lot of little things. I think people don't even realize what I was involved with in at that time. But anyway, let's kick it off quickly with 1972. Larry Zabisco makes his pro wrestling debut. He debuted for the National Wrestling Federation in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And in his debut match, he won beating Frank Durso. You go to 1977, this card is on the WWE Network. It's a fun card, nice little mixture of Hall of Famers and wrestlers you probably wouldn't expect appearing on a WWF event at the Garden. This was uh, August 29th, 1977. Not only did it appear on the MSG Network, but a lot of people may not realize that it also appeared on HBO Many times back then, you would have pro wrestling show up on HBO. I actually liked it better on HBO. Kind of felt like I get to see a little bit more blood, a little bit more violence than the MSG Network. But anyway, some of the matches from that night, uh, Peter Maivia over Stan Stasiak, Tony Gurria and Larry Zbysko over George the Animal Steel and Baron Mikel Zekluna. Superstar Billy Graham over Ivan Putzky. Bruno over Ken Patera in a Texas death match. Vern Gagne over Nikolai Volkov. Chris, uh, Chris, Chief J. Strongbow fought Mr. Fuji to a curfew draw. Uh, back then, if the card went past a certain time of the night, they, the card would be over. It would be done because of curfew. And that's, that's the way it went down. 1979. Pat Patterson is awarded and officially introduced as the first intercontinental champion. Originally, they said that he had won a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, which wasn't true. Um, the real gist of this title, you might remember we actually mentioned it a few months ago. He had defeated Ted DiBiase for the WWF North American title earlier in the year. And what the WWF decided to do was they replaced that title with the Intercontinental title. So that's why they chose Pat Patterson. And Pat Patterson technically was still a champion at that time. The same week that this was going down with the WWF, Jim Crockett Promotions had a really interesting and entertaining 12-man tournament 
in Charlotte, North Carolina. It, they were uh, running this tournament to crown the new Mid-Atlantic NWA United States Heavyweight Champion. Title was vacated by Ric Flair after he won the NWA tag titles with Blackjack Mulligan earlier in the month. So, you know, remember, can't have two belts. You have to give up one. They did that, what, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Bob Backlund and Pedro Morales. And the, the result of that title win actually is part of this show as well. But check out this tournament results. I think this is pretty, pretty cool. I've seen tiny little highlights of this over the years, but I've never actually had video of the entire event. I've always wanted to see it. In the first round, Bruiser Brody over Johnny Weaver, Jimmy Snooker over Tim Woods, Buddy Rogers over Bob Marcus, Wahoo McDaniel and Big John Studd fought to a double countout. Ken Patera over Rufus R. Jones. The quarterfinals had Jim Brunzel over Bruiser Brody. Ricky Steamboat over Ken Patera. And since Wahoo and John Studd had a double countout, Buddy Rogers had a bye. So now we go to the semifinals. Jimmy Snooker over Jumping Jim Brunzel. Ricky Steamboat over Buddy Rogers. And in the finals, Jimmy Snooker over Ricky Steamboat to win the vacant Mid-Atlantic NWA United States heavyweight title. Pretty cool. Got another card I want to share with you that just sounds like it was a great event. In 1981, Assassin Number 3 lost a hair versus mask match against Jerry Briscoe. Took place for the championship wrestling promotion out of Florida. Assassin Number 3 removed the mask and was revealed to be Mr. Saito. Matches on the card from that night, Hiro Matsuda and Tommy Gilbert went to a time limit draw. Grant Apollo over Bobby Jaggers. The Sheep Herders, Jonathan Boyd and Luke Williams over Mike Graham and Steve Kern. For the Florida heavyweight title, Charlie Cook over Buzz Sawyer. Tape fist match, Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk ended with a double countout. Masks versus hair match, as I said, Jerry Briscoe defeated assassin number three jack briscoe over dory funk jr and the main event texas death match dusty Rhodes defeating assassin number one 1986 wwf ran a house show called the big event took place in canada at the national exhibition statement uh stadium in toronto and you know a lot of people i don't think realize that this wrestling event was part of of the Canadian National Exhibition itself. You know, they have like a, a huge fair every year. And they, at the time, they said it's the seventh largest fair in North America. So there was a lot of people already there. And, you know, it's been reported over the years that to attend the wrestling event, you actually didn't have to buy a ticket. It was part of the entire fair itself. So think about that. That's This is why you don't ever hear a dollar value as far as revenue stream amount with relations to this event. Because if you, you know, it's like, I don't want to compare it to TNA, but if you're going to, you know, Great Adventure and while you're at Great Adventure at seven o'clock at night, they're going to open up this big stadium and have pro wrestling and you attend that as well, you don't have to pay extra for it. So WWF probably got a flat fee to appear there, and they ended up drawing 64000 WWE get the shit end of the stick on this one? Yeah, probably, definitely. But it was a great event. You actually could watch this if you want. 
Uh, the big match that everybody was into at that time was Hulk Hogan versus Paul Orndorff. They were having a big feud at the time, and uh, it's it's a, it's a really good event if you want to go watch it. And, you know, to see that size of a crowd was, was entertaining as well. Same week, World Class had their Labor Day Star Wars event from Fort Worth, Texas. Focus of the show was to crown their first tag team champions since the company split with the NWA. People were splitting with the NWA, not all the time, but... Quite often, you've heard that at least two different times over the last two weeks. You might hear it two-plus times on this show as well. We got it once again. So they use the NWA American Tag Team Championship as their tag titles. Tournament results from that night. Mark Lewin and Kevin Sullivan defeated Barton Bratt. Uh, Barton Brad, the Batten Twins. Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer over Kevin and Mike Von Erich. Chris and Mark Youngblood over Joe LaDuke and Rick Rude. Dingo Warrior and Sacco defeated Killer Tim Brooks and the Grappler. Quarterfinals, Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer over Mark Lewin and Kevin Sullivan. Chris and Mark Youngblood over Jerry and Ted Oates. The Dingo Warrior and Sacco over Brian Adias and Scott Casey. Semifinals, Chris Adams and Lance Von Erich over the Dingo Warrior and Sacco. Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer over Chris and Mark Youngblood. And in the finals, Matt Bourne and Buzz Sawyer defeated Chris Adams and Lance Von Erich to win the titles. Um, they also had two matches that were not part of the tournament. Chris Adams over Ricky, uh, Rick Rude by DQ and Abdullah the Butcher over Bruiser Brody by DQ. And uh, that match is pretty wild. It's online in case you want to see it. Now, I should have mentioned this early on. I kind of mentioned it last week, so you should know already. You know, we're at SummerSlam time. You know, over the years, SummerSlam, for the most part, took place the third or fourth week in August. We covered a lot last week. We have a few to get into this week. And um, I'm going to go through the match results as quickly as I can. There's a couple of matches here and there I might talk about. Most of the audio clips this week do not involve SummerSlam. I chose to use other moments that you may have never heard before or uh, just f totally forgot about and some that would definitely deserve to be brought up again. There is one SummerSlam match I know off the top of my head that I'm going to play as well. But first, let's get into 1988. First ever SummerSlam event, Madison Square Garden. British Bulldogs and the Rajos go to a 20-minute time limit draw. Bad News Brown over Ken Patera. Rick Rude over the Junkyard Dog by DQ. Jake the Snake Roberts hit the ring, attacked Rick Rude because Rick Rude was wearing those tights that had uh, uh, Jake Roberts' wife on them, Cheryl Roberts. Remember that? When he was wearing tights with her features on it? That, that set up a really intense feud. Powers of Pain over Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov. Uh, Ultimate Warrior over the Honky Tonk Man. Uh, defeated him in 31 seconds, fastest icy title win in history, and this ended uh, the longest intercontinental reign of all time at that time. And the crowd went banana. I mean, just really. You know, you look back when WWE came out with that self-destruction in the Ultimate Warrior, and they tried to shit on every little thing. This man was tremendously over. And I always remember, you know, when I was taking a screenshot for the synopsis for this week, you know, the original screenshot I was taking was him in the middle of the ring holding the belt up in the air and just pay attention to the crowd. 
everybody was out of their seat. Everybody had their arms in the air. Everybody was popping big time. You don't see that much anymore. I mean, the crowd literally went bonkers, and he beat him in 31 seconds. Nobody had a problem with that whatsoever. In fact, if you want an audio sample of how that match went down, here you go. Ultimate Warrior versus Honky Tonk Man, SummerSlam, 1988. Ladies and gentlemen, this contest is for the Intercontinental Championship. And it is scheduled for one fall. Approaching the ring, led by his manager, I tell you, the guy's had that title over two years now for the Lamont And you know, the man is the man has bought some top people all the way along the line. I mean, he's confident, brother. I've never seen a man without confidence. Well, it goes without saying. He's got the colonel, the mouth of the south, Jimmy Hart. I, for one, am certainly anxious to find out who, in fact, is the number one challenger. Now that Brutus DeMarva Beefcake has been shelved temporarily. No question about it, but it doesn't look like uh, the honky tonk man. Nobody sent any word up to us. Nothing to us, brother. The honky tonk man doesn't and care. His man. He doesn't even want to know. Here it comes. Who is his opponent? Come on, Howard. Howard doesn't even know. Howard Finkel, the announcer, doesn't know. Come on, brother. Let's get he it shook together. His head. Get me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't care who it is. Oh, honky don't say that. Don't, don't say that, my man. There's some people back there in the locker room that would take this man apart. We're all waiting here with anticipation as to the who the opponent will be. Well, maybe we haven't got an opponent. Well, maybe uh, we have an opponent, but, uh, uh, you know, maybe he's still lacing up his boots. Who knows, man? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Somebody's music. That's familiar music, brother. They've exploded here in the garden.
Other matches on the card, Dino Bravo over Don Morocco, Demolition, who were the tag champs at the time, over the Hart Foundation, the Big Boss Man over Coco Beware, Jake the Snake Roberts over Hercules, and in the main event, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage defeated Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase, and this was the moment where Miss Elizabeth distracted Ted DiBiase by taking off a skirt, and... Um, Wow, it was hot, it was revealing, and if anybody's a long-time listener, you know where yours truly was at the time. No, I was not in my bedroom with the gel rag, you know, enjoying the moment. No, I was in Chicago in a hospital with chicken pox trying to come home from the Navy. That is true. I was in boot camp, and I was I got my honorable release because of shin splints in my leg. I had a uh, health issue, no mental issue or anything like that. I got an honorable discharge. Right before I was supposed to go home, I got hit with chicken box. I was forced to stay in a hospital, I think for like two weeks, if I remember. And while I'm laying in the hospital bed, eating ice pops, I hear in the other room, SummerSlam 88. Go fucking figure. <laughs> yeah, true story, true story. 1989 SummerSlam as well. Now, I was going to play the audio, but you, all you're going to hear is something fall, and you can't really make out what Mean Gene Oakland says, but it's funny. If you go on the WWE Network, it's edited out. There's plenty of places online that have it unedited. You had Mean Gene, who was about to interview Ravishing Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan, and the sign that says SummerSlam 89 in the backdrop falls, startles everybody. Uh, mean Gene looks down and he just basically says, fuck it, fuck it, <laughs> fuck it. And he does, you know, well, they don't do the interview right away. They went back to the crowd and you had the commentators trying to stall some time. They put the sign back up and then they did their interview. But it was pretty funny, you know, um, Mean Gene, you know, fuck it. <laughs> anyway, SummerSlam 89, Meadowlands Arena in New Jersey. Brainbusters over the Heart Foundation. Dusty Rhodes defeated the Honky Tonk Man. Um, and this was the first ever outfit with the polka dots. He wore it the first time during this event. Mr. Perfect over the Red Rooster. Rick Martel and the Rougeaus over Tito Santana and the Rockers. The Ultimate Warrior over Ravishing Rick Rude to win the Intercontinental title. That was a good match. Doesn't get much play these days. You know, yes, it's old, but... That's actually a pretty good match if you want to go check it out. Hatso Jim Dungan and Demolition over Andre the Giant, Akeem, and the Big Boss Man. Hercules defeats Greg Valentine by uh, Greg Hammer Valentine by DQ. Ted DiBiase over Jimmy Snooker. After the match, Jimmy Snooker gave Virgil the Superfly Splash. Hogan Beefcake with Elizabeth defeated Macho Man Randy Savage. Zeus with Sherry. And this was, you know, the right smack into the midst of the feud between Hogan and Zeus. And, you know, it is what it is. You watch the match. Zeus was not a good wrestler. He was never supposed to be. He was an actor. 
but I thought the match did its justice. The crowd was into it, and that's all that really matters. 1990, wrestling got a little too real in Memphis, which happened quite a few times over the years, and I know we've covered, I think, two incidents already over this year. During a Saturday morning broadcast in Memphis, This Week in History, he did a storyline where Eddie Gilbert hit Jerry the King Lawler with Doug Gilbert's car in a parking lot. And that footage is actually online, and it looks very, very realistic. I mean, you, you, you thank God that nobody suffered any serious injury out of it. But, um, you know, Jerry Lola did suffer a bruised hip when he rolled over the hood of the car. And the angle looks so real to those watching. The police were called, and the police did come down to the building. And they were, you know, questioning everybody who was involved. And Jerry Lawler, you know, convincing the authorities that, no, this was storyline. It was a stunt. This is an ad. Um, You know, nothing was pursued. You watch this on TV and, you know, you think it's real. NWO, they had an incident where they were attacking wrestlers in the back outside and uh, people were calling authorities as well. So sometimes it gets a little too real. SummerSlam 92, Wembley Stadium, almost 80,000 fans in attendance. Um, This is, you know, a rare pay-per-view because it was on tape delay. It did not show in the United States until August 31st, which was a few days later, but it was still a phenomenal card. And I love that the Intercontinental title was the main event on this show. Dark matches, Papa Shango over Tito Santana, Tatanka over the Berserker, Bushwhackers and Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the Nasty Boys and the Mountie. The pay-per-view itself, the Legion of Doom over Ted DiBiase and IRS. Nails over Virgil, shit match. Shawn Michaels and Rick Martel ended in a double countout. Watch that match and uh, just see the antics of Sherry. Just watch it. Watch it, trust me. Uh, For the tag titles, the Natural Disasters defeat the Beverly Brothers, Crush over the Repo Man, Ultimate Warrior over Macho Man Randy Savage by Countout after interference from Ric Flair. This match was good as well. The Ric Flair interference felt confusing at times, but it was still a fun match. Go seek it out. Undertaker over Kamala by disqualification, and in the main event, Davey Boy Smith over Brett the Hitman Hart to win the Intercontinental Championship. Really, really good match. I mean, it is one of the better matches on, uh, you know, nostalgic pay-per-views. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. Staying in 1992, and this was a pretty cool match. Very rare. It's very hard to find online. And uh, if you go to WWE Network, they don't have the episodes of primetime wrestling uh, that go as late as 1992 right now. So after SummerSlam takes place in uh, England, they come back to the States and the same week they have a Superstars taping in Pennsylvania. And they decided on Superstars, because if you remember watching these shows as a kid, you would see highlights from a pay-per-view, but you would mostly get squash matches. You know, the, the Bret Hart-Bob Backlund match was just so rare to find on that type of a show. I mean, you rarely found big-time matches like this. But during the Superstar taping, they decided to do a match between Macho Man Randy Savage, who was defending the WWF Championship against Ric Flair. 
and I have the audio. It's a fun match. Again, just keep in mind that this was taped for superstars. So when you actually hear how this match goes down, it's a rarity to have something like this take place on superstars. Enjoy, everyone. Federation. 
That's the kind of a man he is. He's got to have that title. Well, I don't think he's going to get it. Macho Man Randy Savage with unbelievable heart. Well, unbelievable intestinal fortitude. Savage doesn't have to beat Flair to keep that title. Flair's got to go out and beat Savage. Savage just has to last that hour. And with one bad leg, McMahon, I don't see where he can last an hour. He can't launch an aerial attack. What can he do? Well, one thing Ric Flair has to do is you're about to bring out, oh, look at that, attacking the leg, Ric Flair right away. Flair has to make Savage either submit or has to pin him one, two, three. If, in fact, there's a count out, a disqualification or whatever, the championship will not change hands. Woo. Look at Flair go to work As on the left business. knee. Mm. Oh. All right, Randy Savage, ramming Flair to the buckle, Randy Savage now. This is a case of survival. Savage is trying to survive. Look at Flair, he's stalking him. He knows what to do. Yeah, well, he's been there before. The Macho Man has to worry about not only Ric Flair on the inside, but Mr. Perfect on the outside. That's not fair. What is fair, McMahon? This is 1992. What is fair? Life is tough. And again, Perfect warned by the official as well he should be. Flair, standing side headlock, whips around, goes behind, takes him down. Nicely done. And Savage kicking out successfully. See, if I was Savage, I'd get down in that corner. I'd protect that bad left leg. Get in the corner. Wait a minute. Every time he's got in the corner, Perfect comes after him. There's well, no place to run. There's see, no place to hide. See, you don't know what Savage could be saying to Perfect. What do you mean? He, he may be doing something that will just upset him. Look, yeah, he's yeah, he's sure. swatting at him there. I guess so. He has to do something to keep Perfect away. Oh, my heart bleeds for the macho no. man. No, look at the knee. Set up the Macho Man. Momentum coming off the rope. Yes, again, into the knee. Savage must be enduring tremendous pain thus far in this matchup. And it all started back at SummerSlam when Flair and Perfect really did a number with the chair. And then later on, on the outside. Look at this, yes! Big slam! Look at, the, look at, the, look at his knee almost gave up. He don't have that much left in that leg anymore. Just a matter of time. I'm not nervous anymore. Excited! Woo! And again, you see Mr. Perfect. Oh, come on. Oh, he's a distraction. I'll agree with you on that, but it's legal. Ah! And oh, now, goodbye, and we've got Randy Savage! Oh, no, look, oh, come on. They're attacking the knee again and again until Savage breaks the hole. See, he should have never put him in that abdominal stretch because his leg was in a vulnerable position. So it's his fault? Is that what you're saying? Yes, it's his fault. He uh, should hand the title to Flair and save a beating. Yeah, sure. To the buckle, Flair! And Savage falls down! But I think Flair got the worst of it. Covering! Yes! Referee one! No, no, two, no, 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 no,
was close. Not even close. Pick him out, pick him out. I'm surprised at that maneuver. Oh, this could be it! No, a count of two, and a kick out by the Macho Man Randy Savage. Savage becoming more and more immobile. He has to stay away from Flair, as well as Perfect. Reaching for the rope now. I love to see him crawl. I love to see him crawl in pain. There's your champion, McMahon. And what a champion he is. Uh, who looks more confident, Perfect and Flair, or the crawling Macho Man? You mean the courageous Macho Man.
looks to me like Savage is trying to get himself disqualified to hold on to that title. And now Ric Flair's gonna go up! Yes! Oh, yeah! That can't help his leg, though. He just picked up 240 pounds in the air. And he's out with a chair in his hand. And why not? If anyone were ever justified in using it, it would be Savage for what Mr. Perfect has done on the outside. Don't worry about what happens on the outside. Savage, you're gonna have to get it done on the inside. And he's gonna get it done. Just get Ric Flair back in there somehow. He's trying to get counted out. He's trying to take the coward's way out. What do you mean the coward's way out? He doesn't want to get in the ring. He's got nothing left in that leg. Rick, get in the ring. Wow, look at that. Get Savage in that ring. You can't beat him on the floor.
chance, maybe a chance to walk around eventually in six months or so. If you don't give up, it's going to be over. He'll never walk again. Nineteen ninety-three, SummerSlam, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Two dark matches. Owen Hart over Barry Horowitz. I know we've mentioned that match a few times, even with the Blue Angel. They gelled together in the ring and they actually fought each other for a few months. Um, just getting to know the WWE ring and fans getting to know Owen Hart, not, you know, throwing him right on uh, the smack of uh, the thick of things. They just he was doing more dark matches and it's cool. Another dark match was Razor Ramon over Ted DiBiase. And it's interesting because this was Ted DiBiase's last ever match in the United States as a wrestler. He would leave WWF shortly after this, go to all Japan. And when he returned, he was doing managerial duties. And then he ended up in WCW. He was part of the NWO. But uh, this was it. And it was a dark match. Did not air on TV. Main card itself Rick and Scott Steiner over the Heavenly Bodies to retain the tag titles. For the IC title, Shawn Michaels defeats Mr. Perfect by countout. You know, we had a lot of interference from Diesel during that match. IRS over the 1-2-3 kid. Bret Hart over Doink the Clown by submission. Doink the Clown was replacing Jerry the King Lawler, who claimed to have had a broken leg. However, as Doink the Clown was submitting, Jerry Lawler ran into the ring, hit Bret Hart with his crutch. We obviously re realized that he didn't have a broken leg, so Jack Tunney ordered Jerry Lawler to still face Bret Hart. Jerry Lawler defeats Bret Hart by DQ. Bret had originally won the match. Jerry Lawler had submitted to the sharpshooter, but he refused to break the hold, so the referees decided to reverse the decision. Bret Hart was disqualified. This led to Jerry Lawler calling himself the undisputed king of pro wrestling. And if you've been following the USWA stuff with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler, this all ties in with each other. You wouldn't know that on WWF television. They did not acknowledge this stuff. But again, we have Vince in the USWA, 1993, four years before Mr. McMahon. So nobody ever brings up this time and we got more vince promos coming we got one no we actually got two this week and they're pretty good i think you'll enjoy them and when we finally come to the conclusion 
think in the next month or two, I think he's really got it. I mean, Mr. McMahon down pat. And uh, it would wait four years to really, you know, go balls out with the Mr. McMahon. But let's also get into the rest of SummerSlam because this event had Luger versus Yokozuna. So Undertaker over Giant Gonzalez, the rest in peace, no DQ match. Ludwig Borger over Marty Jannetty. Smoking Guns and Tatanka over Bam Bam Bigelow and Head Shrinkers. Main event, Lex Luger defeats Yokozuna by countout. He hit Yokozuna with that bionic forearm. Yokozuna fell out of the ring, got counted out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. He never got the title. As I said last week, it was last week in history that Yokozuna and Lex Luger faced each other in USWA. You know, it was a practice match leading into SummerSlam. And, you know, things changed. WWE and Vince had a change of mind not to put the title on Lex Luger. Never happened. And, uh, you know, he would still stick around for a little while. But then ultimately would make that surprise visit on Nitro, which actually does take place this week. In, oh, actually, no, that happens next week in history. Yeah, so we're going to cover that next week. Now, finish up 1993 with this. You heard last week the match, Paul Neighbors versus Jerry Lawler, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson in Neighbors' corner. After the match is over, Vince is cutting a promo making fun of the Mid-South Coliseum fans. Well, now Vince McMahon has unleashed Giant Gonzalez on Jerry the King Lawler. So here are two promos. Uh, first, talking about the match between Jerry Lawler and Giant Gonzalez. And then after that, you get the Vince McMahon promo talking about the result from this match and how he thinks that uh, he, Jerry Lawler has even bigger problems to deal with in the near future. These are great. I'm sorry about the audio quality. You know, I didn't want to fuck around with it too much because you know it might sound really digitized. So but I think it's good enough to listen to. Here you go, Vince McMahon, USWA, the saga continues. Coming up Monday night, Mid-South Coliseum, Labor Day night, it's a gigantic match with Giant Gonzalez and Jerry the King Lawler. King! Big match coming up Monday night at the Coliseum. Well, yeah, it is, uh, you know, it is a big match, and uh, the big is the key word, I guess. It makes me think back to last week when uh, I stood out here and I watched Vince McMahon, the big shot from the World Wrestling Federation, tell everybody, me included, that I was in store for a big surprise last week. Well, I guess, you know, Vince, uh, he obviously had the giant's ear. He obviously told Bret Hart that he didn't have anything to worry about because he knew that if Bret Hart got in trouble in that match, he was going to send the giant down to help him. Well... I love it when somebody like Vince McMahon gets uh, egg on their face. I love it when a guy who thinks he's sitting on top of the world all of a sudden gets brought down a notch. Just like Vince McMahon knew, he knew, he had, t I mean, you know, he knew without a doubt that Bret Hart was going to be declared the undisputed king of the ring at SummerSlam. Vince McMahon's big worldwide pay-per-view that was seen in 106 different countries. But Vince McMahon got disappointed Sunday night in Memphis, and he got disappointed again at SummerSlam because Jerry the King Lawler was declared the undisputed king of the ring in the World Wrestling Federation and throughout all of wrestling. 
So now, Vince McMahon, I'm sure you're a little upset, and I understand that he sent down uh, a little interview. Is that right? Uh, yeah, he did. Uh, Vince McMahon, he has some words. Let me just hear what he's got to say here real quick. Yeah. I can't believe that you people would accuse me of having something to do with the problems Jerry Lawler had last Sunday in his match with the hitman Bret Hart. I did say that I thought Jerry Lawler was going to be in for a big surprise. But I had no idea just how big that surprise was going to be. I had no idea that a former tag team partner, Giant Gonzalez, would wise up, would smarten up and recognize Jerry Lawler for what he truly is. Just like maybe some of you Minthians are wising up and taking another look at Jerry Lawler sort of the realistic view of Jerry Lawler, the way everyone else outside of Memphis views Jerry Lawler. Well, all I can say, Jerry Lawler, is that just like Jim Neighbors used to say, and maybe it's more appropriate that, that I can quote Jim Neighbors, and, and many of you can perhaps understand what I'm saying a little bit more. Surprise, surprise, surprise! Now, you don't have a big surprise coming, Jerry Lawler. This Monday night, you and all your fans, you've got a big problem. An eight-foot big problem. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Vince McMahon. I'm the voice of the World Wrestling Federation. Jerry Lawler is the king. The king of what? That's what you have to ask yourself. Jerry Lawler, you know what you're the king of. You're the king of nothing. The king of the unified title. Whoopee. Big deal. Do you know how you got to be king, Jerry Lawler? Because of tactics and antics that you used last Monday night. You're the king of the cheaters. No question. You know how to cheat better than anyone. I mean, can you imagine taking advantage of the eight-foot giant Gonzalez throwing fire in his face, his whole he head, everything exploded. Jerry Lawler, that's what you're about. Throwing fire. That, that, we're talking rustling now. And apparently rustling has been reduced in Memphis, Tennessee to Jerry the King Lawler cheating, trying to set another rustler on fire. Well, you want fire? You've got it. And I'll promise you and I'll promise the fans from the entire Memphis area, if you want to see fire, you're going to see fire this Monday night. You're going to see a young man run to the ring that is undefeated in the World Wrestling Federation. Now, can you imagine with the lofty standards of the World Wrestling Federation, an individual actually being still undefeated after thousands of matches? 
That's what you have in the fiery young competitor by the name of Tatanka. He's undefeated, Jerry Lawler. He's going to come to Memphis this Monday night, Jerry Lawler. He's going to show you what fire is all about. He's going to walk into the ring undefeated. He's going to walk out of the ring undefeated. And oh, by the way, why don't you, uh, why don't you bring your fire, Jerry Lawler? Why don't you bring your fire and bring anything else you want to bring? Tatanka will put the fire out. The smoke signals that Tatanka will leave after the fire is out is the king is no longer the king. The king has been dethroned. The king has been scalped. 1994, SummerSlam, Chicago, Illinois. Dark match, Adam Bomb over Quang. Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS over the Head Shrinkers by DQ. Alondra Blaze retains a women's championship over Bull Nakano. Razor Ramon wins the IC title over Diesel. And Razor Ramon was accompanied to the ring by uh, Chicago Bears legend Walter Payton. What did they used to call him? Sweetness? Man, he was such a great player. God rest his soul. It was so depressing to see him on TV right before he died. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about. Tatanka over Lex Luger. Jeff Jarrett over Mabel. Uh, heavyweight champ Bret Hart over Owen Hart in a steel cage match. That was a fun match. A really fun match. Undertaker over Ted DiBiase's Undertaker. The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. I wanted to play that audio. You know, at the time, I didn't think the match was bad, but I do remember a lot of my friends after it was over was like, wow, that sucked. That really sucked. I mean, it told a great story and everything, but damn, it's it just, just something was missing from it. It really was. But I think Brian Lee did a hell of a job being a fake Undertaker. And, um, you know, right after this, the storyline was over. We would ultimately see Brian Lee show up in ECW, and then he would eventually go back to WWF as part of DOA. Now, I should also point out that Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS versus the Head Shrinkers at SummerSlam was not for the tag titles. Originally, it was pitted for the tag titles. What happened was the night before in Indianapolis at a house show, Shawn Michaels and Diesel defeated the Head Shrinkers to win the tag titles. So match still went on as planned for SummerSlam, but the titles were no longer in play. You don't see that happen too much. Day before, you know, someone loses a title and then the match still takes place at the pay-per-view without a title. Sometimes they'll replace whoever the champion was on the pay-per-view with the new champion, but that's the way they did it at that time. 1997, PG-13 defeat Steve Dunn and Flash Flanagan for the USWA tag titles in Memphis. Um, the reason why I mention it is because they were, in fact, the last ever tag team champs for the USWA. The USWA does close very, very shortly. We will be covering that in the very near future. 1998, SummerSlam, Madison Square Garden. Sunday night heat matches. Too Cool over LOD 2000. Gangrel over Dustin Runnels. DOA over Bradshaw Invader. Pay-per-view, European champ D'Lo Brown over Val Venus by disqualification. The Oddities, who were Kurrigan, Golga, and Giant Silva over Kai and Tai in a handicap match. Insane Clown Posse performed the Oddities theme live at the event. X-Pac over Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match 
after X-Pac hit Jeff Jarrett with his own guitar. After the match, Jeff Jarrett did, in fact, have his head shaved while the Headbangers and DX held him down. Sable and Edge over Mark Merrill and Jacqueline. Ken Shamrock over Owen Hart by submission in a Lion's Den match. It was pretty cool. It was a UFC-style cage. They set it up in the theater right next to the Madison Square Garden. And um, it was good. I think uh, a, f- a few thousand fans actually paid tickets just to see the Lions Den match live in the theater and watch the regular matches on screen. So I don't know what the prices were at that time, but you know I remember nobody complaining. New Age Outlaws defeated Mankind in a Falls Count Anywhere match uh, to win the tag titles. Kane, who was Mankind's partner at the time, had abandoned him um, and then showed up later in the match with a sledgehammer and attacked Mankind. So they're the champs, and Kane turns on Mankind. Set a big feud. I mean, actually, someone turns on another person later on who were champs as well, and that led to a big feud. And it's interesting because, you know, the same, you know, same type of big men are all involved with this. Main event, Steve Austin defeats The Undertaker. Um, basically how it went down, The Undertaker was walking the ropes, doing old school. Steve Austin blocked it, uh, turned it into a stunner, pinned him one, two, three. Now we get to 1999. Got two audio clips to share with you. One has to do with ECW. The other one has to do with Monday Night Raw. I guess we could get into, uh, you know, let's get into... ECW first. Let's mix it up a little bit. You know, last week I played that appearance of Paul Heyman on MSNBC. He was hyping up ECW, now going to be airing their show on TNN. Now, ECW on TNN actually happened. The first episode was last week. We didn't cover it because the first ever episode, I remember where it was. You know, it's weird because you have some of those moments over the years. Where were you when 9-11 hit? Where were you with this? Or where were you with that? Where were you when you heard so-and-so died? I actually remember where I was when I watched the first ever episode of ECW on TNN. I remember being in my living room. I remember playing with the computer a little bit. And then, you know, seeing commercials for Roller Jam and all this other shit. And then it comes on. And it was an introduction to ECW. And I think the big match that they aired on that episode was RVD versus Jerry Lynn. I had already seen it. So everything that I watched, like I was happy for ECW, but I'm like, I didn't think an introduction to ECW was necessary. You know, there's a reason why you made TNN. You go balls out, start. I know it's only one week difference, but for the first week, you know, people that are tuning in, they're tuning in because they already know about ECW, all right? Your product is what led you to be on ECW on TNN. So just continue doing what you're doing, and people could tune in and be like, hey, what's that? And I didn't like the introduction idea. And I know that there's been reports over the years that, you know, originally it was supposed to be a different episode, and Paul Heyman did not like the way it came out, so he decided to do an introduction one as well, but... I just didn't think it was necessary. But this week was really the debut of ECW on TNN. And they started off with a bang. They were at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And the Dudleys were leaving to go to WWF. And the Dudleys uh, ended up defeating Spike Dudley and Balls Mahoney to win the ECW tag titles. So now they're trying to play off that they're going to bring the tag titles to Vince. 
maybe thrown in the garbage like Medusa. And, you know, when they attack someone later on and there's a referee standing right behind the person, I mean, you could pretty much figure out that Dudley's ain't leaving with the tag titles. Highly unlikely. But still, it was really well done the way it happened. So I present to you now the Dudleys in their way saying farewell to ECW and then what transpired after and how the show went off the air. I will tell you this. You know, I know Bubba Ray could be a real dick and I think he would admit to everyone that he could be a real dick. And, you know, I've had my moments with him and I know other people personally who had their moments with him. One of the cool things that I remember at the time was he actually kissed the belt like right before, you know, they, he started, you know, they started attacking Tommy Dreamer. So it's just nice little gesture that I noticed that I thought was pretty cool at the time. So here you go. Here are the closing moments of uh, what I like to call week one of ECW on TNN.
must be numb. He can use all the determination in the world, all the memories of old girlfriends. He can have all the spit vinegar running through his body, but it doesn't matter. So many tag teams have been defeated by the Dudleys that one single man, even if it is Tommy Dreamer, doesn't have a shot in the world. You see several wrestlers surrounding the ring. They have tried to stop the Dudleys, but the Dudleys cannot be stopped. They are going to disgrace even side guy Dudley. Their own brother trying to stop them. He knows they're going too far. The Dudley boys are going to disgrace the EW World Tag Team Championship. And in the career of a 28-year-old ECW original, Tommy Dreamer, here in only the second week of this series, ECW on TNN. And now the Dudleys are calling for 3D, the Dudley Death Drop. And that will indeed spell the end of Dreamer. Tommy with the counter, DDT. Now you got Raven back in ECW one week after leaving WCW. And it was an interesting pairing. Tommy Dreamer and Raven together after their feud. It it worked. It worked. And the crowd loved it. Crowd was fine with it. Not easy to please ECW fans. I'm sure people have realized that over the years. So now let's get to WWE. Same week that ECW was doing this with Raven and the Dudleys leaving on Monday Night Raw, you had the official formation of the Rock and Sock Connection. I think a lot of people out there may forget how originally it went down. This was supposed to be for a tag team match. And, you know, you could see the little comedy aspect there between Mick Foley and The Rock. So I have actually two audio clips pertaining to this moment in 1999. First, I give you how the Rock and Sock Connection was formed. This week, 1999. Do you smell what the Rock is cooking? Well, we thought that we had not seen the last of the Rock tonight. And King, that premonition was right. A Rock who was 
the big show and destroyed our announce position here earlier tonight. Is returning. I'm surprised he's even able to walk. It's a rock for you. Well, the rock ain't no steak eater. He ain't gonna lay down on you. But man, I'll tell you what, between the combination of the Undertaker and the rock and the, the big show. The Rock was absolutely destroyed by those two huge monsters a little bit earlier here tonight. But what else can happen tonight? Well, that's a great question. He's hot, JR. Yes, he is. Rock is not happy. Well, The Rock says this, Big Show. You think you impress somebody by taking The Rock and go... <laughs> and choke slamming The Rock through the people's table and The Undertaker. You think you impress somebody? Well, The Rock's... Get a shot of The Rock on the screen. The Rock says this. You two jabronis, you come on down here later on at the end of the night. You face The Rock in a handicap match. Oh. But make no mistake about it, it takes more than that to keep the people's champ down. So The Rock says, Big Show, you come on out with The Undertaker, but The Rock doesn't want to fight. No, because The Rock's been fighting all night. The Rock wants you, Big Show, to pull your little black pants down. Uh-oh. Oh, then no. he wants you to bend over. Uh-uh. Then Undertaker, The Rock wants you to come out, and The Rock will admire all your little Mickey Mouse tattoos. <laughs> and then... Just laying a challenge down to fight both the Undertaker and the Big Show, it sounds to me like, right here tonight. Oh, I think he just wants the Big Show to pull down his little black tights and... And then Big Show, as you're bent over, Undertaker the Rock says, you take your 33-pound head, <laughs> turn that bitch sideways, and stick it straight up Big Show's ass! <laughs> now that's a visual for you. It's mankind. Mankind is up and moving around after the assault earlier by the Undertaker and the Big Show. The Rock, mankind was back there, and I got to admit, I liked your comments about the tattoos and the head up the candy ass. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do this alone. You see. Rock, I know you don't like me, and after last year's Royal Rumble, for a long time, I didn't like you, but I know what The Rock can do inside that ring, you know what mankind can do inside that ring, and mankind was talking to the people, and the people want mankind as The Rock's partner. Mankind as The Rock's partner. And tonight in Boston, Massachusetts, Mankind would like to be The Rock's partner. 
So what I'm saying to you is very simple. If The Undertaker and The Big Show can find the testicular fortitude <laughs> to uh -oh. put their tag team titles on the line tonight. Yeah, tonight, King. That's what they're saying tonight. Wait a minute. Mankind would like to become the people's partner. <laughs> They hate each other. Just think about it, Rock. Mankind and The Rock together with the millions. He's stealing The Rock stuff. Of The Rock's fans and the dozens of Mankind's bands. Together, we will stand side by side. says he knows what your crazy ass will do so tonight the rock says one time you will be the people's partner what put your hand down but the rock says this don't you ever and the rock means ever steal the rock's phrases again Plagiarist. So the challenge has been made for the yeah, rock and mankind. Yeah, but we don't know what the Undertaker Big Show are going to say. If you smell, what? Look at <laughs> what did the Rock just tell you? He's an idiot. Oh, he's Mick's a great guy. He ain't all there. He may, maybe not. Too many Hell in a Cell matches for him. Uh-oh. What the rock is cooking. And now I present to you the match itself from later on in that night. Big Show and The Undertaker versus The Rock and Sock Connection for the tag titles. Always loved Big Show and Undertaker's entrance theme. One of my favorites of all time. Just, uh, it was really, really cool theme. I mean, you know, there's, I, I'm sure we all have our top 20 of all time favorite themes. I always thought that theme was badass, but here you go. Here's the, the match, how it went down that night, this week in 1999. Ladies and gentlemen, here in Boston, Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler here at ringside. Tag titles. Tag team titles on the line here momentarily. A weight of 828 pounds. Wow. The Big Show and The Undertaker. 828 pounds. That's not including Paul Bearer. I don't even 
seen Paul Bear. Where is Paul Bear? I saw him earlier today. Doesn't break my heart if he doesn't show up out here, I'll tell you that. Man, this is going to be something, ladies and gentlemen. The atmosphere here in Boston is absolutely amazing right now. The Phenom and the Big Show, the Tag Team Champions, about to put their gold on the line against a very unlikely team, The Rock and Mankind. Rock and Mankind have had their own individual wars. Throughout 1999, the Undertaker. Here we go! the Big Show in there. Look at the size of the Big Show. 7'2", 500 pounds. And it, I mean, it's like the Undertaker just throws the Big Show to the wolves. Undertaker said earlier tonight that he was uh, providing the Big Show a tough love. <laughs> Uh-oh, look at the power. There's some toughness right there. Both Mankind and The Rock trying to double team. And did a pretty good job of the, of the Big Show here. And it slammed the Big Show's big face right down into the mat. Oh! Undertaker walking around the ring, rather kind of sauntering around the ring, not taking any, uh, not making any hurry. But that's The Rock now, the Big Show tag team titles on the line. Well, The Undertaker keeps saying this. As soon as The Big Show learns that he's a killer, then, then The Undertaker's job will be done with him. There will be nobody in the WWF that can stop The Big Show. Mankind doing his best to stop The Big Show for the tag team titles here. Oh, oh my, my. Ooh. Sidewalk slammed by The Big Show on Mankind. Mankind around 300 pounds was lifted up like a small child by the 500-pound, 7-foot, 2-inch Big Show. A huge headbutt. No more devastating in this oh, business. Look at this. Tell you what, you're going to have to convince me. You do not have to convince me the Big Show's not got a mean streak. He's as nasty and as mean as you want to see. Yeah, but you heard The Undertaker. He sat right out here, JR, and said he, he just lacks that killer instinct. Ooh. That was a wild thing earlier. Supposed to be The Undertaker and The Rock in a no-hose barred matchup. And The Undertaker forced The Big Show to take on The Rock. And, of course, the results of that was a destroyed announce table. Almost a destroyed Rock. This amazes me when you look at this. I mean, oh, mankind fighting out of that corner. He's got to. You and I both know. Oh man. You and I both know how big the Rock is and how big mankind is. But they look like almost like little children next to the Big Show. Oh, Rock and uh, mankind look like junior high schoolers. And look at the Undertaker, the cheap shots. Why are those cheap shots? Measuring the because he's not the legal man in the ring. Number one. Well, mankind's not in the ring. Mankind is the. He's on the steps. Mankind. His body thrown violently across the, the steel ring steps by The Undertaker. Please don't come over here by this flimsy table we got. Undertaker throwing Mankind back in the ring. Back to a 500-pound killer in the big show. I don't think he's a killer yet. That's what The Undertaker's trying to get him to be. And I shudder to think that the big show escalates to The Undertaker's Ooh. killer level. Ooh. Kicks very deep in the, the abdomen. Can you imagine what it's like to have a 500-pound man with a 22 shoe stomping you in the stomach. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, oh. That's got to be over. Got to be over. That's, that's over the rock. The rock. The rock interrupted that count right before the three fell. Tag team titles on the line here tonight on Raw. Big Rock just called the big show a big jabroni. Man, mankind in the arms of a monster. 
seven feet two, 500 pounds, applying all that pressure on the lower back of Mrs. Foley's baby boy, Mick. Well, the size of the Big Show's arms that look like oak tree limbs. <laughs> what are you doing? You can do more damage to your body than Hurricane Dennis. Well, Mrs. Foley might be about to, uh, how much does Miss Foley weigh? I don't know. Well, if she's fat, the fat lady might be fixing to sing on poor little Mick. How dare you insult Mrs. Foley? Well, I don't know. I've never seen her. Oh, hey, hey, Mankind biting. I mean, whatever teeth Mankind had left, he got some of it. Oh, elbow right to the, right between the eyes of Mankind from the big show. Mankind's pretty lucky his teeth go. He's got one left on the top, one left on the bottom, but at least they're opposite each other. And he helped the big show elbows like, oh, look at run over by a car. Again, the Undertaker measuring Mankind. Mankind out here on the floor. The Undertaker is not the legal man in this matchup right oh, now. No. Oh, a headbutt by the Phenom. Mick Foley is a, almost on Green Street here. I think he's trying to get out of here. The Undertaker, oh, vile shots right to the face of Mankind. Uh-oh, watch The Rock. And The Rock trying to intervene here and stop this Undertaker onslaught. And still saying the, if the left one don't get to the right one well, if the Phenom don't get to the Big Show well. Oh, and speaking of the Big Show, here he comes. And he is a, he's scary big. Oh, look out here. Go ahead, he don't. You got him. See what you started? What do you mean what I started? He heard you. Well, he's about to break mankind's back on this. Well, he's starting to get that killer instinct. I think he's going to start with you. Elbow right in the spine of mankind. How much more can mankind. Wait a minute. Paul Bearer has come out here. Did you see Paul Bearer showed The Undertaker something? I don't know what it was. What was it? How do I know? Whatever it was, Paul Bearer and The Undertaker are leaving. Is, is The Undertaker turning his back on his on his tag partner? What did Paul Bearer show him? I don't have a clue. And is Undertaker turning his back no. on the, the tag titles? I don't know, but can we can we get somebody to find out what it was that, that Paul Bearer came out here and showed The Undertaker? Man, whatever it was, must have been very important because The Undertaker won half the tag team champions. This turn to let the partner alone. Mankind got the tag. The tag is made. No. The Rock going to lay the smack down. The smack is being laid down on the Big Show. A double team. And the Big Show exploded right through The Rock and Mankind. That was amazing. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the this could be, this could be bad. Oh, goodbye, Rock. Yeah, this going to be bad. Nobody's going to get up from that choke slam. And Mankind's got a tear. And oh, my God, right back in his face. The Big Show kicked that steel tear right back in Mankind's face. <gasps> this one is over. One, two. Oh, I can't believe it. What? I can't believe the Rock kicked out. Oh, my gosh. The Big Show is a, he's frothing at the mouth. No! Oh! No! 
and Sokka was out. It is Mankai ah! Sokka on the big show. Oh, oh. oh the referee just smashed in the corner. We're day after, you know, the TLC match between Edge and Christian, the Hardys and the Dudleys, first ever TLC. And you have Edge and Christian in the ring, banged up. And they basically want to call out the Hardys and the Dudleys. Originally, I guess, to show a little respect, but obviously that wasn't the case. So originally they called the Dudleys out. You hear the Dudleys music hit, and out comes a midget Bubba Ray Dudley and a midget Devon Dudley. And they just was so funny. I mean, they looked hilarious. You know, they they asked uh, the midget Bubba Ray Dudley, you know, you know what's your, what's your take? Uh, what the? But then they asked uh, the Devon, which I, it's weird because I still remember like my medulla oblongata swelling up from laughing at this. The guy's head just looked a little bit odd. And he was an older man, obviously, but he's like, Tetify! But it, just the way it went down, the crowd was hysterical. I was hysterical. It was funny as hell. They then bring out a midget Hardys, which, you know, they looked okay. But then, you know, Edge and Christian are making fun of the midgets. They're playing musical chairs in the ring, you know, to try to, like, play off at TLC. And then the real Hardys hit, and, you know, they cleared the ring, and the rest was history, but... Very funny moment on Raw, if you've never seen it happen this week in 2000. 2001, little audio clip for you. I just thought it was a wonderful promo. I mean, it really, really, you know, cemented Steve Austin as a major heel. You know, they really were trying to push him as a heel. And I know people look back on it and say, you know, this kind of like failed. I don't think it failed. You know, I think it was necessary at the time. But you had Steve Austin, you know, turning heel. You had the, the Alliance. You had all that shit going on. He was feuding with, with various people. And one of the persons was Kurt Angle. And Kurt Angle had finished the match in the ring. And he would shower himself with milk, you know, as, as he would do in victory. And then all of a sudden, we saw a camera of Steve Austin next to the Detroit River. And ultimately, it would be revealed that Steve Austin had Kurt Angle's medals. And Steve Austin cut one of my favorite heel what chants 
at that time. Here it is in its entirety from SmackDown 2001. Damn, that bitch just got all over me. Angle, son of a... Turn. Oh, what now? Look up here, boy. <laughs> I know you can see me. It's good old Stone Cold. Huh? What? Do you see me? Can you see Stone Cold Steve Austin? I got something in here. Something you said I'd never, never have. You said, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin never has some gold medals. I got two right around my neck right now, don't I? Don't I, Kurt? Are you proud of yourself? Just got yourself a big old win right there in the middle of my ring. Are you proud? Does it make you proud that you got a three count? Huh? I'm sure you're proud of yourself your whole life, huh? You went through high school, you had a little amateur career. You did real good. What'd you do? What? You got yourself a college scholarship. My boy. Yeah, you did real good. And what'd you do after that? You went to the Olympics. What? You went to the Olympics. I guess you're proud of yourself, huh? Huh? You said I never have none of these. Stone Cold Steve Austin's got two of them. They belong to you. What? I said they belong to you, Kurt. You know that, and I know that. So since you're so proud, I wonder how proud you are. What will you do, Kurt, to get these gold medals back? What will you do to get a shot at this? Huh, Kurt? You want your gold medals back? Hell, I'll give them back to you. It's easy. All you got to do is ask for them. You're not too proud to ask for these damn gold medals, are you? Huh? What? What? Go ahead and ask for them. I'm listening to that. No, no, no. <laughs> That'd be too easy, wouldn't it? I don't want you to ask for them. You're so proud of yourself. Are you too proud to beg for them, Kurt? What? That's right, you little I said, are you too proud to beg for them? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. What? I said, get on your knees and you beg for these gold medals. What? You too proud to beg for them? Are you too proud to beg for these? I'm making it simple on you, Kurt. You too proud to beg for this? Huh? What? I can't hear you. No, you ain't got to beg. Forget about it. Why don't you cry for me, Kurt? You're the biggest damn crybaby in the World Wrestling Federation. I ain't never seen nobody like you. Cry every time you do something good. Cry about this, cry about that. Get on your hands and knees and cry for me, Kurt. You want these back? Go and cry. If you cry, right now for Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'll give his damn things back. You disappoint me. Look at you. Red, white, and blue all over you. Captain America. Olympic champion. And you won't do the right thing for yourself. You won't do the right thing for your country. I guess that means you're real patriotic, don't it? You make me sick. What? If you don't want to beg for these and you don't want to cry for them, it proves to me that you don't want them. It proves to me that you don't want this. 
Stone Cold Steve Austin proved to the world that I would do anything, anything to get this belt. And you proved to me nothing. You proved to me you're a spineless little coward. You can't even beg for me. You can't even cry for me. So you know what? Oh. I'm getting that sinking feeling. See, Kurt, you don't want to cry for me. You don't want to beg for me. Mm. Well, if that's the case, Kurt, you don't really want these medals. Hell, if you don't want them, I don't want them. I got enough luggage in my bag. I'm carrying this belt around. This is what means everything to me. These mean nothing to me. And if you won't beg for me, if you won't cry for me, they don't mean nothing to you. You pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And that's the difference between you and me. I pledge allegiance to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I pledge allegiance to this. And since you make me sick, you leave me no choice, you little mealy mouth Olympic punk.2002. I'm going to give you this first before we get into some XBW and WWE stuff. They actually are intertwined a little bit. First, let's talk about TNA. And I know TNA doesn't get as much love on here as you would want it to be. You got to understand that TNA didn't start until the early 2000s. So when we're covering history, you get into the early 2000s, you're already halfway through the show. And unfortunately, there were a lot of moments that were pretty forgetful. So, But we try to cover them as best as we could do. Um, this match is one that I think a lot of people forgot about. It is Jerry Lynn versus AJ Styles versus Loki in a ladder match for the X Division Championship. One of the best matches, I think, in their history. And I think it's a match that a lot of you probably have never seen because it does go back to 2002. But I'm going to give it to you in progress. And believe me, you just listen to it, and it just really tells a wonderful story. Enjoy it. Jerry Lynn positioning the ladder. Going for it already. He's got it under the X Division belt, and he's got to climb that ladder. You can see that the ladder is, what, eight feet tall? It's a couple of feet taller than Lynn. Low key. Not going to let him do it. Yeah, able to stop. Now low key's going. Move up the ladder. Oh, he's not. I think low key wants to. He's going to use the ladder for something. Now trying to position the ladder. Styles, meanwhile, from behind. Look out. You cannot waste time. Whoa, man. Like you said earlier, you've got to have eyes in the back of your head. Chop exchange oh, and then a vicious series of four oh. and knees. AJ Styles 
just, that was unreal. What an offensive display. What an offensive flurry from AJ Styles. But because he didn't look behind him, Jerry Lynn caught him out of nowhere. We've heard chance for Jerry, we've heard chance for Low-Key, we've heard chance for AJ Styles, all because the TNA Asylum crowd Jerry and AJ if they hurry because Loki just took an unbelievable blow. Now Lynn setting up the ladder in the corner. Both of his opponents slow to get to their feet. Styles first up. Loki still down. Now Jerry Lynn is going to try and send him over. Oh! Look at Styles climb the ladder. Lands on his feet. Caught him with the boot. That's unbelievable! She's Brings doing off. it again! Went for the DDT! Oh. Reverse into a released suplex by Jerry Lynn. What presence of mind of Jerry Lynn! To stay with it! To not give up on the move! And what agility by AJ Styles to climb that ladder! Well, in the hold for the uh, for Jerry Lynn. Look, Loki and Jerry Lynn both up. Now Loki's on his feet. Vicious kick to the face. Remember, the fall will not help you in this matter. As, as the referee Andrew just let him know. Almost as if on instinct, Loki went for the pin. Referee Andrew Thomas reminding him, you cannot win this match by pinning your opponent. You've got to climb the ladder and get the belt to the corner. Title, title wave attempt. matches of all time and it has not disappointed by any means styles has got the ladder oh. and he just rammed the ladder right into the chest of low key sending him down into the corner and you know they're, they're, these guys realize that they put their life in their hands once they start climbing the ladder, ladder. position under the belt he's getting he's, close. can he regain the title he's, 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 he's got to reach up no. He's got his hands on the belt. Loki's on the same ladder with him. Loki and AJ fighting oh. in the top. How did he kick him from that angle? You've got to be kidding me. It was a roundhouse kick from the ladder. He's hooked. Look out. Oh. Nowhere to go. AJ is stuck in the ladder. Front kick to the chest again. He is at Loki's mercy right here. And think of that steel ladder. Every time he makes impact. Can Loki take advantage of the fact that Styles is out? Now he mounts the ladder. Several more rungs to go. He's got to reach up and get his belt. Can he retain the title? He's inches away. No, oh, Jerry Lynn from behind. He's not going to let it happen. Now Jerry Lynn climbs the ladder as well. AJ Styles. Oh, man. 
Backdrop suplex from several rungs up on the ladder, crashing down to the mat. The X Division is unreal. And you're seeing it at its finest, at its most brutal. How does it get better every week? You know, it's like, can you top this? Each and every week, each and every Wednesday, right here on NWA TNA. And they never disappoint. Next week, the special X show, plus the exclusive interviews with these three men. Can you believe that? You're going to get to see so much high flying next week. Here, here goes Styles. Is he going back to get his belt? Here it is. Several more steps up. Styles has got it. He wants it. He's away. No. He needed to go up no. He's got him hooked by the trunks. Won't let him up. AJ trying to keep his balance as the ladder rocks back and forth. Trying to fight off Loki as well with right hands. How is Loki? Neither one of them can do it. Now you were going to ask the question, how do they maintain their balance up there? Here's the opening from Lynn. This is his chance. His chance to win the title for the first time. Jerry Lynn climbing up the ladder. Finally, after all these years. Almost as if he ran out of gas about three quarters of the way up the ladder. No, they're not going. Styles and Loki tipped the ladder over. Lynn went crashing into the corner. Loki is over right here for the move. He's bringing another ladder into play. That's what the triple ladder match is all about. We're going to have think about that. If you get more than one ladder in there. You've got so much more you've got to defend and protect. Styles has got one ladder positioned under the belt. Smartly, Loki realizes that and comes back into the oh. ring, but he's met with a kick right into the face. Jerry Lynn is over grabbing his leg. He's incredibly injured. Well, yeah, after a fall oh. from, from, from that height, off the ladder and then right into the turnbuckle, of course. I don't know how. The kick from Loki was on target. Styles is reeling to the ropes. Look at this! Back out of nowhere. <laughs> Inverted DDT. That is absolutely after everything they've gone through. How AJ Styles had the presence of mind to make that move out of this world. Second nature to him at that point. It had to be. Now Lynn is back in the battle and back to his feet. The seesaw matchup continues. The right hands have Styles now in trouble in the corner. Lynn going to take him out. Brings him to the middle of the ring. Just think next week is all X Division. The X special next week. The incredible highlights of everything that's gone down in the first several months. The spring back. He's got Lynn instead. Styles. Running powerbomb by Jerry Lynn. Mike, sometimes it just leaves you speechless. Well, we have to catch our breaths, too. Just like the competitors and just like the fans here in the TNA Asylum who remain on their feet as one. Look out! Loki from outside has got a ladder too. 
think we're gonna get all three ladders into the ring. 14 years in the business, and you'd swear Jerry Lynch just as good as the day he was five years ago, 10 years ago, and 14 years ago. Maybe better. All three ladders now in the ring. Styles and Lynn fighting it out in the corner. They're going to have to see Loki going up, yeah. but Loki's going to get his belt. You can't turn your eye on anybody. Jerry won't let him do it. Loki now, now. He's using both ladders. And right now, as you see, AJ and Jerry are still going at it. Loki's about one rung away. Styles now climbs the ladder. And the two of them fighting at the top of the ladders. Oh, man. The X Division title belt hangs above the ring. Jerry Lynn laying on the ground. AJ, look at this. How can they keep their balance? He's got the dragon. The dragon's applied. Dragon sleeper locked in. Cranking back on the neck of AJ Styles. And now here comes Jerry Lynn into the mix. Couple of right hands from Lynn forces Loki to break the dragon. Michael, Lynn, everybody's on a ladder. One of them, all they gotta do is reach oh, in no. and get it. How did he do that? How did, how did he keep his balance, oh, Lynn? No, so That's the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen. Styles up. There go. Oh, no. Styles tried to do the same and couldn't. Now it's Loki and Jerry up there. I still can't get over Loki maintaining his balance on there's, the ropes. There's only one ladder left. What is just going on? No, 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 not the pile driver from up there. No, my God, the cradle pile driver from five rungs up. Low key is out cold. Low key folded up. He could be seriously injured. AJ Styles is still not in the ring. He's knocked out somewhere back here. Maybe, maybe the most incredible high-risk move that I've ever seen in a wrestling ring. Jerry Lynn going for it. Lynn, can he win the belt for the first time? Can he reach up and get it? Can he reach up and get it? He's reaching up. He's up. He's got it. He's got it. He's got it. Jerry Lynn's the champ. We'll see you next week for Special X. Now we get to XPW, Hostile Takeover. Now, I already mentioned on Twitter that I was going to spend a few minutes on this. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because we have other things to get into. And obviously, for time constraints, I can't spend an hour. But um, here's my memories of this weekend that took place this week in 2002. You know, I was doing a wrestling hotline at the time that was by far the biggest wrestling hotline in the United States. It was bigger than the 976 numbers. It was bigger than, I mean, look, I'm not talking about the WCW hotlines or Pillman or I'm talking about amateur people. It's the biggest hotline in the United States and people were taking notice of it. I was in contacted by XPW about, I don't know, I'd say about a month before this show took place and asked if I would be interested in working for XPW. I said, absolutely. What do I need to do? And basically, because XPW was a California company, they needed people on the Northeast that knew how to do a lot of the legwork, the paperwork. You know, we did everything from street team stuff 
to as you know you'll hear in a moment me actually pulling the license paperwork so XPW could have the show in Pennsylvania. Yes, yours truly. There's a lot of work that I have done behind the scenes for wrestling companies that I have never made publicly. There's no reason for me to. I don't like, because I, I, I always see the professionals out there and I will never ever try to pretend that, you know, I was one of the boys or one of the guys. No, I wasn't that. But when I did work, behind the scenes for these companies, I did a boatload of fucking work. And I did some of this work because for me, in the business field, it was a lot easier to do. You know, and when you have certain connections or you know the right people to get into and, you know, you you have the time to do it, you get involved. So next thing I know, you know, they want me to do bus trips. So I start pushing on my hotline. Who wants to go to XPW bus trip? Who wants to do this? Who wants to do this? Now, I am always creative. I always think outside the box. Even to this day, I still do it. And when they asked me to do bus trips for these shows, you know, keep in mind, Mike Johnson was already doing bus trips for Ring of Honor and other places. So I was doing my own XBW bus trips. So I started asking people, and right away you get a whole boatload of people. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. Problem is, is that anything you offer, you'll get a thousand people who say that they want it or they'll go. But then when it comes time for money, only like 10 people will come through. It happens a lot. So I wanted to come up with ideas to make these bus trips different from Mike Johnson's with his Ring of Honor stuff with CZW. But I also wanted to make it as fun as possible. So I asked, you know, certain individuals in XPW, look, could we get a wrestler on the bus, hang out with these guys for like 15 minutes, ask questions, they would ultimately bring Vic Grimes on the bus. They bring Daphne down the line when she started working for, and trust me, we'll cover Daphne when she started working for XPW because it's pretty cool the meetings that were taking place in Baldwin, Long Island, trying to get her on these shows. But uh, so, yeah, so they working out, you know, they have a conversation with Chris Candido, this and that. So we set up the bus trips. And I'm getting so many of my listeners, and this is a God-honest truth. No one will ever dispute this. And there are enough people out there that still listen to these shows, that do their own shows and have websites that will tell you everything I'm saying is not an exaggeration. I sold out four buses to go to XPW, leaving from Queens, leaving from here, doing stops here. And the price was good. I don't know. I don't remember how much it was. It might have been 40 bucks or 50 bucks. You got the bus ride there and back. You got um, to meet wrestlers. You got to see the show. You got great seats. If you actually look at Hostile Takeover and you look at the crowd to behind me where I'm sitting at the timekeeper's table, everybody there from my bus trips. And it is no bullshit that towards the end of XPW having shows at the ECW Arena over half the people that were in attendance were my bus trips. So the bus trips sold out tremendously. I had friends go. I had, you know, my two little cousins go. But it was a majority of people listening to the hotline. Um, I think Captain Ivan may have went. Uh, Matt Zombie went. Brian Damage went. If you always hear me shout out Mongo, who looks like the guy from Meatloaf, 
but um, used to do like used to represent like Lil Parker and and some of the others. He was the person responsible for getting Mexico's most wanted to appear on XPW. He was the one that got me Mexico's most wanted to take on Sabu and uh, Jimmy Snooker in USA Pro Wrestling. Mongo, I used to hang out with not. Outside of shows, but we would go to eat. We would talk. We would have saw. That guy was one of the nicest, coolest guys. He would also sell masks at events. He would always have this big box of masks. Big, intimidating guy, like six foot five, three hundred pounds, but not three hundred pounds of fat. If you look at Hostile Takeover and you just pay attention and look at me sitting at the ringside table, just look behind me. You'll spot him. You'll know what I'm talking about. So now. I have the bus trip set up. We have everything going on. And then you got the assholes online that were doing everything in their power to prevent XPW from appearing on the Northeast. Yeah, Bob McGee, who is one, he does PWBTS.com. I mean, this guy would write articles and just really, really horrible shit. He wrote an article August 4th of 02 saying that they're doing a show without a license. And if you read that article, is actually uh, quotes from me telling him that I am the one pulling the license. So, you know, they, they just try to, it's weird because, and I hate using this comparison, but if you decide to look at it, you'll understand what I mean. This feels like people trying to put up fake news about Trump. I mean, it's really what it feels like. You go back to XPW August 2002, read some of the articles out there. They did everything they possibly could to prevent that Fed from coming. I remember this Matarats would wrote up brochures and just put it in people's mailboxes. Porn is coming to your neighborhood. I'll never forget that. I wanted to punch this motherfucker in the mouth. And then what was even more eerie, well, before I even get to that, yours truly had to pick up from the airport, Juventud Guerrera, Mexico's Most Wanted, Psychosis. So here I am in Howard Beach, Queens with these four guys. Never met them before, but I had talked to, uh, I think it was Halloween on the phone like a week before. And, you know, he doesn't speak great English, but it was pretty funny. So I pick up these guys from JFK and I have to drive them to Philly now. So we actually, I have a really cool photo somewhere I've never put online of these four guys with me in front of my car. It's a really, really cool photo. But I pick up these guys. This is the day before the event. And they're hungry. So I'm like, what do you want? You know, you want McDonald's, you want this. So I take a drive up of Cross Bay Boulevard. And I'm showing them different places where you can eat. So they see Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they're like, oh, chicken, chicken, chicken. So we pull off. And we're in Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now just picture inside Kentucky Fried Chicken. It is me, Psychosis, Mexico's Most Wanted, and Hoover to Guerrero. And the next thing you know, they're starting to play wrestle. You know, you see some people standing online. They get a little bit nervous. Finally, one person rep- uh, re- uh, recognized Hoovy. So you know, they got an autograph or something. But then, which got a little scary, is, you know, they're eating. So we're driving up and down Cross Bay Boulevard. Let them eat before hitting on the hot, getting on the highway to head towards Philly. And we're in summertime. So as you keep in mind, this is 2002. It's not like everybody's looking down on their phones or anything like that. You know, people just walking up and down a lot less to do. And they're not home glued to their computers. So you got all these little hotties walking up and down Cross Bay, you know, very revealing outfits. 
and you have these guys yelling out of my window, hey, baby, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, like just really catcalling some of these girls. And I got a little nervous because it was two or three groups where there was men there as well. You know, and I'm just always having flashbacks of 1985 when I got jumped by the Cross Bay Bridge because someone in my car was catcalling some girl and she told him to fuck off and he told her, fuck you. Next day I know my car surrounded by baseball bats. So, you know, this was a little uneasy, but, you know, we survived it, got on the highway, went there, you know, had the event. I did timekeeping. If you watch Hostel Takeover and you see my reactions towards Supreme and Homo, the hardcore home angel in their hardcore match, it was very surreal to be sitting right there. But I'll leave you with one more thing for now. Um, Terry Funk versus uh, Shane Douglas and the State Athletic Commission meeting. You know, as a result of what was going down with XPW, the Philadelphia State Athletic Commission wanted to have an emergency meeting. They wanted representatives from WWF, CZW, uh, Ring of Honor, and XPW at the event. And I will never forget Bill Apter. You know, just I always tell wonderful stories about Bill Apter. Bill Apter and Eric, who does, who used to do the belts. You know what I'm talking about, Eric. I met him at that time. He was one of the nicest guys as well. And we're sitting there and we're watching, you know, Shane Douglas and others talking about the State Athletic Commission meeting. And Bill Apter wanted to try to smooth things over with uh, with XPW, Ring of Honor, something like that. He just really offered wherever he could, even though there was not much he could do. But that was the emergency meeting. But the controversy that took place after was, um, I don't know if it was Supreme versus Angel, but somebody went into the women's bathroom and they claimed that the daughter of a member of the State Athletic Commission was in the bathroom at the time and got blood on her. It was bullshit. It was bullshit. Then on top of it, you had the incident outside with Shane Douglas and Terry Funk. And what happened was Terry Funk was breaking a bottle outside. Some people thought that he gashed his own arm with a bottle. Others said that there was like a sharp edge of a pole right outside the door, which there was, that he gashed it on there. But if you remember Sabu's arm, his bicep, being ripped open from barbed wire, what I saw up close with Terry Funk was sickening, disgusting. It wasn't intentional. His fucking muscle was hanging out, tied a shirt around it tight. And then, if I remember correctly, he did like a like a pile driver or something onto Lizzie Borden and took her panties off. I mean, it was just wild, weird, wacky. And it caused a lot of controversy. And I remember when it was over and Terry Funk was in the um, ambulance in the back. All I remember is Shane Douglas cursing a fucking storm. Fuck, motherfucker. Fuck, fuck. I... I'm not sure if Shane Douglas thought that Terry Funk originally in, intentionally cut himself, but all I remember is Shane Douglas being irate, pissed beyond belief when that happened. And it was really fucked up. It was very surreal. And the, believe me, there was a lot of fallout because of this. And I, if I remember correctly, I think they named their second event fallout. 
So when we get to the next event, which takes place about a month from now, I will give you even more stories that transpire between then and now. But I definitely recommend if you want to read some interesting articles, you go on Google, just type in XPW August 2002. And if you even want to write my last name, de Blasi, um, and it's funny because a lot of these assholes that were just totally against XPW used to say shit about me. They always spelled my name wrong. And the funny thing is, is that the people who used to go on message boards and fake post about me and say some horrible shit about me, they always spelled my name wrong. And there were three individuals that always spelled my name wrong. Sean McCaffrey, uh, this Bob McGee, and some other person, which we'll mention another time. And whenever I saw shit written about me really fucked up and saw my name spelled wrong and certain other words spelled wrong, you knew right away who they were. But, um, yeah, go read some of these articles back then. I mean, it's just, it's fucking incredible. But that's the gist of it. I mean, the event was fun as hell. Seeing Brian XL wrestle, which was really cool. Um, I can't remember who else was supposed to wrestle. There was somebody from the Northeast. I'm forgetting his name right now. He actually drove the ring to Pennsylvania, and his reward was to spend a few minutes with Shane Douglas in the ring before the event took place. Just not dark match, but just, you know, just exchanging some moves because that was his favorite. And I think it did go down. I wanted lowlife Louis Ramos to have a fight against Supreme. Didn't happen. I pushed so hard that this event should have been West Coast versus East Coast. Sure, they said that West Coast was invading ECW Arena, but it wasn't pushed enough. The Every storyline should have been West Coast versus East Coast. You know, of course, you have Terry Funk versus Shane Douglas. It's hard to have West Coast versus East Coast, but I thought at that time that would have been absolutely phenomenal. But uh, we'll get into more controversy in the future. You know, I will talk about the time where Ring of Honor kicked out a tag team because they were working XPW. And um, remember being in the, in the same room with this person in Long Island and him almost crying because he's got a family to support and he's not doing it to screw over any federation and he wasn't under contract for Ring of Honor and still Ring of Honor basically strong on him and said, you work for them, can never work for us ever again. It's fucked up. So we got so much... I have so much behind-the-scenes stuff that I've never revealed before. We'll do it in due time. But there's so many other things we need to cover this week. But you know what? I'll leave you with this. You know, I'm not going to play a match from XPW's Hostile Takeover. I got to put the original version online because one cool thing of working behind the scenes, I always got the original first copy. And then they would edit things out and take things out. Then they would ultimately make a commercial VHS, a DVD release. I have the original. And the original has a lot more stuff in it that uh, the commercial releases do not. So maybe one day soon I'll put it in its entirety online. You'll get to see some things you've never seen before. But if I could put any clip on here now from that time, that was fun. I'll give you uh, Hoovy cutting a promo, uh, doing his Hoovy juice. This is from XPW Hostile Takeover 2002. Finally, the Jews have come back to Philadelphia! I think I've heard that before. What the juice is cooking. I think we've heard all that before. 
to Guerrero. This is a pleasure for the Jews to be in a juicy house. So tonight, XPW has been doing the best decision ever to bring the Jews to the juicy house. What? What is he saying? Shut up. Shut up. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you again. Fuck you twice. You don't get tired? So suck my dick. All you fucking jabronis and marks. What kind of what kind of respect is that? You gotta respect not the best one, not the great one. You gotta respect the juicy one. Oh God! Kind of knew you know would say that. Because this. All about the juice, baby. And the juice is loose. And the juice is on the loose. You know, I see a lot of a lot of jabronis, a lot of jumpers in the back try to get a match with the juice. I don't see any good talent in this building. What are you talking about? Maybe because they're from Philly. Whoa. I don't know. So I even see a Chris Chatty or Chris Giovanni Chatty. Oh, come on, bro. Let me have a match with the Jews. I know he's the best. I want to learn from him. What the hell is that? You have got to be kidding Fuck me. Fuck you. Fuck you. Who does this guy think he is? Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you! Who gave him the microphone? I said fuck you, son of a god! Watch your language! You want some of this? You want some juicy, juicy, juicy juice? No, thank you. I know, lady, you know the juice. Yeah. You're the best, I love you. You see? There's some real good juicy people in this town. Not like all you sucker! What the hell is a juicy person? Okay, I'm getting tired of all you suckers. So let's have some juicy action. The best action. The non-stop action with the juice man. Gonna share with you one more story that actually leads into WWE. Has to do with WWE. The night after Hostile Takeover, uh, yours truly and uh, that guy Slash, we went to Westchester. And the guy that always edited ECW television was gonna edit XPW's television. So we went into the guy's basement and we were just in awe of this guy's equipment. So not only am I in awe of his equipment, but I'm looking at, this is the guy responsible for doing a lot of editing for ECW stuff, which was fucking awesome. So he we're there for about four or five hours because he's actually putting together the TV show for Philly. So we're there and after we're done, we have to drive all the way to Philly just to give the tape to the TV station so they can air it the following day. Not enough time to FedEx it. Too risky to send it overnight mail and then it not get delivered. So yours truly and Slash drove back to Philadelphia a day later, got there late at night, went to this TV station, dropped off the tape, and then we drove back, got something to eat, and went home. This is all in 24 hours. 
as we're coming home, because it's a Monday night now, we don't have like anything that we could stream WWE in our car. This is 2002. Technology was a little different at the time. But we had friends that were calling us while we were en route, giving us some highlights of what was going down on Raw. And I will never forget, I was on the New Jersey Turnpike, and someone called us up and said, yeah, Eric Bischoff just created a new world heavyweight title on Raw, and he gave it to Triple H. And um, they also did where Brock Lesnar was signed exclusively to SmackDown. So as a result, the new title was needed for Raw. Triple H would defend the title against Ric Flair, but it was just, oh, the Triple H. This was the Triple H show at the time. And now you have Eric Bischoff handing a title to Triple H. So the night after Hostile Takeover, we're on the highway delivering a tape to Philly, and exhausted, and then we're hearing drips and drabs of what was happening on Raw. So it was just uh, a very interesting week. Very interesting. But like I said, we'll get into more in the future as the time comes. 2003 in Osaka, Japan, Yoshihito Takayama defeats Masahiro Chono by knockout to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Why am I mentioning this match? Took place in a steel cage. The first time in New Japan's history, 30 years, that they had a cage match. Pretty cool. 2005, the last Thursday night edition of SmackDown airs, ending a six-year run in the 8 to 10 p.m. time slot on UPM. And uh, that would be it. So the last card, last ever Thursday night SmackDown, Heidenreich over Mercury by DQ, Chris Benoit over Orlando Jordan by submission, Ken Kennedy over Booker T, Batista over Simon Dean, Paul Burchill and William Regal over Funaki and Scotty Tuhati, Randy Orton over Rey Mysterio. 2006, uh, actually I should also say next week will be the first week of the new SmackDown date time We'll get into that next week. As I mentioned earlier, 2006, Chris Jericho made that appearance on Celebrity Duets, which opened up this show. And the same week, we had the main roster in-ring debut of The Miz. The Miz debuted this week in 2006. His opponent was Tatanka. Here's how the match went down. We are back on SmackDown. It's the debut of The Miz. Jerry Briscoe is rolling over in his grave, and Jerry's not even dead. The following contest is scheduled for one ball, making his way to the ring from Cleveland, Ohio, weighing in at 231 pounds. Well, you need go wrestling attire for uh, The Miz. You know, used to you had to go through the territories. You had to earn your way here. Now you appear on a reality show. If we could get Anna Nicole Smith... Quit screwing senior citizens and eating cookies and taking pills. How about we book her next to the match? That's that. I like that. Oh, you do? Well, what is he doing? I like the, the strut. The stripe? He looks like a sleaze stack. I said the strut. He looks like the red rooster and that little stooge sucked. Tonight, all of you, my misfits, Get to witness the greatest debut in the history of SmackDown! Because yeah. it's time for the Miz's first match! Hoorah! Hoorah! Yeah, let me hear you! Hoorah! Hoorah! Don't be shy! Hoorah! 
drops Tataka. And from Pembroke, North Carolina, weighing in at 253 pounds, Tataka. So uh, Tataka's got the uh, like the warpath yelling. Well, Miz has got hoorah. Sort of like the same thing, but different. We got Captain Bingo versus Captain Hoorah. Great. So Tataka the veteran set to take on Miz, and I'll tell you, Miz did not draw a good opponent for his debut here tonight on SmackDown. Miz, a lifelong fan, speaking with him earlier today, was telling me how excited he is to compete in his first match on SmackDown. Two years of training to get to this moment. Two years of training, good Lord. This actually makes me want to watch this match because I want to see if Tataka destroy him. Miz could actually tie me to a tree in my prime and not beat me in three freaking weeks. So Tataka and Miz kick things off in Miz's debut on SmackDown. I like the unique in ring gear of the Miz. And referee Charles Robinson called for the break. And you see Tataka having words with referee Charles Robinson. Tataka's not a been in a good mood as of late, thinking the referees have cost him a few matches in recent weeks. He's had a, a legitimate beef, although last week uh, he let the arguing uh, catch up to him. Turkai taking advantage, Sylvester Turkai picking up the win. Over to Tonka. Yeah, but you got to remember, Tonka being the first one to knock Turkai off his feet. Exactly. Tonka, no slouch whatsoever. He's just a whiner and crier. Oh! Steep arm drag by Miz. He's doing the robot. I'm throw up. I'm gonna throw up. So let, let me get this straight. The guy, the guy does one good arm drag and he's out strutting around the ring. It's like France winning a war. You just went to France this weekend, didn't you? Shut up. Miz working on the left. My wife like France, likes France. All right, I don't. All right, I went because of her. Understand you were embarrassed. When the French was able to order dinner. And Tataka whipped across the ring into the corner. Here comes the Miz, who lands on the apron. While I was at dinner, actually, uh, fireworks went off and three French soldiers sitting next to me surrendered. And now Miz uh, mocking Tataka. And I don't know how wise that is. And Tataka did That's not find it funny. Welcome to uh, World Wrestling Entertainment. And he's complaining to the referee, and Tataka saw that coming from a mile away. Hey, Miz, Tataka knows every trick in the book. Miz, I don't believe Miz can breathe anymore after those chops at Tataka. Now, working on that left arm. Tonka driving shoulders into the shoulder of Miz. <laughs> Miz is hurting. He's hurting. What about me? I'm watching him. The wrestling gods must hate me. Who have I pissed off? Who have I made mad? Who have I got heat with? Miz driving Tonka. Jaw first into his knee. And Tonka shoulder first into the steel post. And Miz showing some life here. No took the, the country from these Native American Indians. Good Lord. 
What does that have to do with Miz? That's something to Tonka. He throws it to him right now. Side suplex by Miz. Into the cover. Hooks the leg. There's two and a kick out. Another cover. Another kick out. Wasn't Miz in the Diva contest? No, he was the host of the Diva Search. And he was upset that he didn't get to host the Diva Search finals at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York City. He was upset because they were wearing sequins and he didn't get to. I don't believe that is not why he was upset. These SmackDown fans trying to get Tatanka back into the matchup. Vertical base for Tatanka. High elbow off the nose. And another one. Miz trying to battle back with left hand. And Tatanka exchanging blows with Miz center of the ring. And the Lakota Warrior unloading on Miz. Wow, now that hurt. That'll be a reality check. Big back body drop. Tatanka building momentum. Why don't we get somebody from the old Brady Bunch to come in here? And Tatanka is on the warpath. I hope he is. Tatanka finish him off. Treat him like custard, boy. Treat him like somebody getting out of bingo. With all your money. <laughs> Tatanka, tomahawk, chop to the... The skull of Miz, the proud Native American milk cow. Buffalo. And Tataka back out to the apron. And Tataka, high-risk maneuver, going to the top rope here. And look at Miz. Miz buying himself some time, sliding underneath the bottom rope. Oh, and he paid for that. And a big knee to the gut of Tatanka. Miz, skull first off the, the top turnbuckle. And Tatanka driving Miz to the mat. Beating him like a running mule. That's what oh, he wait, did. Wait, 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 Miz just shoved the referee into Tatanka. He raked the eyes to Tatanka. Miz going for a backslide. Miz using the ropes for leverage. Miz just picked Tatanka. And he's, Miz stole the match. Here is your winner. Bad luck. Armageddon is opponent. Hey, I'll tell you what, JBL. the rapture. Nobody around here is being taken to heaven in rapture, but good lord. We, a revelation's opponent. No matter what you want to say, Miz wasn't exactly a flop. He somehow did win his debut here tonight. 2007, WWE suspends 10 performers. Releases, I think, one or two as well. This all stems to that signature pharmacy scandal that took place. And uh, there was also an announcement going down at this very same time. WWE in the past had suspended wrestlers, but never mentioned their names publicly. Starting November 1st of that year, 2007, if someone violated the wellness program, they were going to have their names mentioned publicly. But... For those who were on this signature pharmacy list, now keep in mind, there was one or two people, I think, that was no longer working for the company at the time. Brian Adams is one of them. But here's who came up on the list. Chris Benoit received Nandrolone and Anast... You know, I'm not going to put up the medications because, you know, we all know it's steroids and shit, so... 
Chris Benoit uh, got steroids in February of 06. Eddie Guerrero got uh, got steroids two weeks before passing away in November of 2005. Brian Adams received a, a, a whole cocktail of steroids in December of 06. He wasn't suspended because he was already gone with the company. Uh, Sylvain Grenier received uh, steroids from February of 05 through July of 06. He also was no longer working for the company at that time. But here's the list of those who were, and they were suspended, I believe, for one month. Chavo Guerrero, Shane Helms, Randy Orton, John Hennigan. I'll get back to Orton in a second. John Hennigan, Kenny Anderson, Funaki, Charlie Haas, Umaga, William Regal, and Edge. Now, of all of them, I don't think Randy Orton was suspended because he had already been suspended for for wellness violation related to the steroids. So I don't believe he was suspended. Mike Bucci, who you knew as Simon Dean, uh, he was just given his outright release from the company. And WWE also uh, released Nick Dinsmore. Now, I don't think he was on his signature pharmacy list, but he failed a drug test for the second time. So WWE just decided to release him instead. So, you know, the fallout of this, you know, was big. You had 10 people suspended. Jeff Hardy would immediately defeat Umaga for the IC championship because Umaga was going to be suspended. And, you know, it's a little ironic, but six months later, Jeff Hardy would violate the wellness policy himself, cost himself the IC title. A lot of people felt that he was going to get a big-time WrestleMania payday, and, uh, you know, he screwed up as well. Same week, Bayamo in Puerto Rico, Adam Pierce defeats Brent Albright to win the vacated NWA World Heavyweight Championship. If you remember, not too long ago, we talked about how TNA and NWA broke their partnership apart. So as a result, the NWA heavyweight title was vacant. So this is their crowning of a new champion. 2010, TNA signs Mickey James. Also in 2010, Lucha Libre, USA. You know, this was going to be something big on MTV, too. Unfortunately, they dropped them after seven episodes. They would return to MTV, two about a year later, but didn't stick around all that long. And it was the same week that as MTV, two was dropping this promotion, this series, Reed Flair made his pro wrestling debut for Lucha Libre USA. That footage is on Facebook. I actually watched it. You know, was Reed Flair great? No, it was just up and coming. But I remember at that time, people really hyping up how talented Reed Flair was. I don't know, man. I watched him in a match for Lucha Libre USA, and it wasn't all that spectacular. If you want to see, look at, seek it out. Search for Reed Flair and PR Powers versus Rudissimo and Neutronic. 2010, same week, Caval wins season two of NXT. Runner-up, Michael McGillicuddy, who you now know as Curtis Axel, and Alex Riley finished third. Good, another audio clip for you, 2011. You know, Triple H comes out. First, lets everyone know that starting the following week, Raw was going to be a super show. I'm sure you all remember this, that they were going to take stars from Raw and SmackDown. They were going to appear on Raw, and it would be a Raw super show to try to help boost up ratings, get interest. And unfortunately, at the very same time he was cutting this promo, he, CM Punk, 
and Kevin Nash were desperately trying to turn chicken shit into chicken salad. Kevin Nash making his return, no problem. Him getting involved with CM Punk, a little confusing. WWE, you know, hyping up that CM Punk and Kevin Nash at Night of Champions would go down. All right, you know, it is what it is. But then ultimately getting changed and uh, about a week or two, I'll play you some audio where Kevin Nash is interviewed and he feels that there was never any intention of having him versus CM Punk at all. And it makes you wonder why did Kevin Nash cause CM Punk to lose his title against Alberto Del Rio in the first place? The storyline really was not good. and But the promos were. And here is the verbal exchange that went down this week in 2011 between Triple H, CM Punk, and Kevin Nash. Boy, CM Punk is so irreverent. Wow, what a performance. What a... Man, I know you've been in some movies, but that... That was Oscar caliber. That was that was Pacino in heat level thespianism. That was beautiful. Great performance, Triple H. What do you want? What do I want? Well, for starters, this isn't one of your movies. How about you stop acting? Huh? You don't want Kevin Nash to lie. I want you to stop lying. Man up. Tell the truth for once. That you, Big Daddy Cool, have been in this together from the beginning. Oh boy, the plot ticket. <laughs> this is going to be good. Triple H going to have a rough time moderating this. Ever since Kevin Nash showed up at SummerSlam, there's been a major issue between Nash, that man, one of Triple H's closest friends, and of course CM Punk, and you alluded to it, JR, earlier, Nash has cost Punk the WWE Championship for an opportunity at that title on more than one occasion. Certainly has, and this could be a very volatile situation because, as we heard, the COO has an issue with his good friend Kevin Nash. Well, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this. The COO and Kevin Nash could be in cahoots together. Who knows? Who's zooming who here? First off, yeah. Yeah, I lied. I had my driver call Lornitis and tell him that I got in a wreck. But you know why? Because you wouldn't let me take care of things. So I had, to get, yeah, I had to take our friendship and use it against you because I knew it would pull you out of the building. And the problem is, is him. You wouldn't let me finish what I was supposed to do. So I had to get rid of you. Yeah, you've been trying to make a fool out of me in front of millions for the last couple of weeks, and it's done. It's over. But you know what? The thing is, it's just not me. It's you he's insulting, and more importantly, it's your wife. So I got a question for you. I might not have exactly acted the way you wanted me to, but my question is, what kind of man are you?
kind of man am I, huh? The kind of man that doesn't expect to be lied to by his best friend. The kind of guy that expects if his friend tells him something, he can take it for the truth. That doesn't work anymore, does it, Kev? Because I can't trust you. Not when it comes to business. You lied to my face. So, Kev, now I'm going to ask you one more time like I did before. Leave. Leave. And this time, don't come back. First off, you're right, I lied. But only about the accident, not about the text. The second thing is, while you were out of the building last week, well, John Laurinaitis, Executive Vice President of, of Talent Personnel, signed me to a, in this economy, very lucrative WWE contract. So, buddy O'Pal, if you're going to fire me, you're going to have to do it in front of all these people and the millions at home. And on top of that, it's guaranteed, so I'll sit home and get paid. So, Paul's coming in your court. Kev, I'm not going to fire you, all right? No, 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 no. But the lying stops now. You understand me? No more. No more disrespect. <laughs> 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 Get it? Get it? I'm acting. I'm I'm acting like I'm sick. It's like you two are acting. You expect anybody? Let alone me to believe this crap. <laughs> Triple H, you can't be the bad guy. You can't get your hands dirty, so you have you do his work, right? And then you not only apologize to him, or you not only accept his apology, you hire him back? That's a, that's a good acquisition. Fantastic job. Hey, everybody, the click's back. Yeah! Which, which is kind of ironic because click is the noise the audience's remote control makes every time Kevin Nash pops up on their TV screen. <laughs> and, wait, I'm not done. It's the noise your knees make when you walk. Click, 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 click. Well, you know what? Since I'm now officially... Under a WWE contract, 
Why don't you do me a favor, Hunter? Why don't you book the match everybody wants to see? Why don't you book the match he thinks he wants? Kevin Nash versus CM Punk. Yeah, brother, why don't you make that match? You know what? Why don't we do it at Night of Champions? You being a champion ass kisser and all. So why don't you go ahead and why don't you make that match? Of course, of course, first you have to check with the board of directors to make sure it's okay. And by board of directors, I mean your wife. So come on. Mr. COO, make the match that he thinks he wants. I mean, your wife's the one who runs the show around here anyway, right? So why don't you ask her if it's okay? I mean, she's the one who told you to text Nash at SummerSlam, right? Let's face it. You don't wear the pants in the family. But you do wear her panties, don't you? Pipe bomb. You want the match? Fine. It's official. Nash versus CM Punk, Night of Champions. Far as the two of you go, I got two words for both of you. I somehow got a feeling that Triple H would like to see these two guys, Nash and CM Punk, destroy each other. 2012, Mojo Rawley makes his pro wrestling debut. Debuts at WWE NXT in Tampa, Florida. In his debut match, he defeats Dante Dash. Same week, Cameron, no longer with WWE, was suspended by WWE. This was the fallout from her August 24th DUI arrest. If you remember, they were doing a tour, I think, of Australia at the time. She didn't tell them about her arrest, showed up on TMZ, and then there was some controversy surrounding her arrest because, you know, she attempted to bribe officers not to give her a ticket, and this, this, this and that. All this news leaked out. WWE was not thrilled that she didn't tell them any of this, plus the fact that she got the DUI arrest, so she got suspended. 2013... Got two audio promos for you, and you'll love them both because neither one of them have to do with WWE. We have first AJ Styles in TNA talking about his frustration with TNA management. This was cut on impact this week in 2013. And then following that, we got a very entertaining promo from Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So first, here you go, AJ Styles 
TNA this week at 13. Now, I'm sure you guys got questions. I've got answers. When it comes to this past Thursday, I know what the biggest question on your mind is. Am I the newest member of the main event mafia? Well, I respect what they're doing, and I hope they kick aces and eights, but I got to tell you, I've wear, I have wore the suit and tie before, and it's just not me. And it's not their fault. No. You see, over the, the past year, I've kind of developed some trust issues. And maybe you know what I'm talking about when you have two of your best friends stab you in the back. Or, or maybe it was the guys uh, in the truck, guys I considered friends, that aired my dirty laundry for the whole world to see just for the sake of good television without even asking me if it were true or not. Uh, maybe it was nothing. Maybe it was none of that. Maybe it was me realizing what everyone had told me, that this is just how the business is. And that the only person AJ Styles can trust is Alan Jones. So if I haven't made myself clear, I am with no one. I might as well answer some other questions since I'm out here. Like, um, AJ Styles, why did you change? What happened to you, AJ? I get it. Maybe your perception of me has changed. I understand that because my perception of this business has changed. But make no mistake about it. I'm better than the best in the world. I am the phenomenal AJ Styles. Although I love what I do in this ring. Although I love what I do in this ring, I have to understand that this is just a job. Despite what everybody thinks, and maybe you know where I'm coming from, maybe you can relate. So you've had that job. You've had that job that just plain sucks. It doesn't matter if you're driving a truck, you're a secretary in a big building. At one point, sometime or another, you've been shafted by upper management when you're the hardest working man in the building. And for what? I realized over the past year that I deserve better. Hey, Mike, I deserve better. Hey, Dixie, I deserve better. I have been your go-to guy for the past 11 years. And for what? So you can bring in the next star, the next big thing, and we can all watch him fail? Or, or maybe it's that new direction you were taking. 
that didn't go anywhere. There I was to pick up the pieces, to bail you out and take this company and put it back on my shoulders. There are so many times in this past year, I prayed to God that you would just fire me so I didn't have to quit. But what I do, I stayed here. I stayed here and I've done my job. Because like most of these people out here, I have a family and I need to take care of them. That's my job. That's what I do. So I didn't quit. What did I do? What did I do? I came to this ring and I started tapping people out. But over the next couple months, something happened. Something, something clicked up here and I got it. I got it. Something clicked up here and I got it. I like being your go-to guy. I like being that guy. I like the guy that you need to depend on to deliver the goods. I like being the guy that can steal the show. I like being the guy that can send these fans going home happy because they got their money's worth. I like being the go-to guy. The question is, can I still be that go-to guy? You better believe it. Can I still take the weight of this company on my shoulders? You're damn right I can. So the question is, the question that needs to be answered is this. Can I go on and win the Bell for Glory series and on the right to be called your new TNA World Heavyweight Champion? Same week, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla had their Battle of Los Angeles. You had, uh, at the time, you know, a little feud between Adam Cole and Kevin Owens. And Kevin Owens could not defeat Adam Cole. So as a result, uh, they decided to join forces. Now, if you never watched Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, you know, a lot of the promos had vulgar language in it. You know, so what? But if you've never, if you're not used to hearing Kevin Owens being very vulgar, you know, this might be a little new to you, but, I mean, we've been following Kevin Owens for years upon years upon years, so this is nothing new. But this is a very memorable promo in a lot of fans of Kevin Steen, Pro Wrestling Gorilla, Young Bucks, Adam Cole. So basically, here's what we got here. In the room, you have Adam Cole, Young Bucks, and Kevin Owens, who is doing most of the talking. And Kevin Owens proclaims that they are the Mount Rushmore of pro wrestling. You, I hate you so much. You are such a piece of shit. But I'm a piece of shit. I can appreciate pieces of shit. And they always say, if you can't beat them, join them. Well, I tried to beat you, and I couldn't. So now, I got your goddamn back. I'm not going to suck your dick, but I will make everybody who tries to stand in your way suck your dick. Everyone. Tell me who. Candace, Elgin, Joey Ryan. Not these two. I don't do that. They're good Christian boys. They don't do that shit. Right on. 
the bottom line is this. A couple months ago, I came here with 100 t-shirts in my bag, and I sold 60. That's pretty good, right? That's great. Yes. But there's 500 people in this fucking place, so why didn't I sell 100? Yeah. PWG fans, take me 100. for granted. You got a valid point, Kev. They took you two for granted for, for years. years now. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you noticed a couple months ago, fuck the Young Bucks. Right. Oh, wait, but the other half says, let's go, Young Bucks. Right. You know what? It's too late for that, you pieces of shit. I'm sorry for all the swearing. I know you guys don't like it. I'm censoring it. It's too late for that, you pieces of ass. There you go. You think you're so effing cool all of a sudden? Let's go, Young Bucks. It's too late. It's too late for PWG. You see this? Mm -hmm. We are the champions. Where's my belt? I don't need a goddamn belt. I made this place. I'm the champion of the universe. They are the PWG Tag Team Champions. He is the PWG World Champion. And we are the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. (laughs) Matt Rushmore. Matt Rushmore. Matt Rushmore, guys. That's not what we're putting on the shirt. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. I like Rushmore. And this is just the beginning. Suck our dicks. 2015 was a very odd week in the world of pro wrestling because all the highlights have to do with bad behavior. First off, Bram suspended indefinitely by TNA because he was just arrested for domestic violence and false imprisonment charges. Same week, Zyra Schreiber Schreiber, released from WWE. She had just debuted in NXT as Solomon Crow's sister, but unfortunately, old social media postings popped up, and she's got all this artwork with Nazi symbols everywhere. And this idiot is trying to justify it online, say, oh, it's art. It's art. It's not, I don't look at it like, get the fuck out of here. You got Nazi symbols? Own up to it. She got let go. And I know I'm upsetting a few people right now because, you know, she's an attractive lady. And I know that there are quite a few of you out there that if she fucking just writes on Twitter, hey, everybody, I found the new new you know, suppository to douche with, they'll like it. There's some people that are really infatuated with her. I don't know if it's just her looks or her tattoos or whatever it is. You know, to me, she's you know, toxic. Stay away from her. So anyway, she's let go as well. Also this same week, remember the piss shit milk guy, Armando Montavo, the guy from Florida. I know recently I said, you know, this guy takes mental illness to a different degree, and I'm afraid that one day a gun is going to get involved on his part. Not against him, but I just got that bad feeling. I hope it doesn't happen, but if it does, ooh, he, this week in uh, 2015, he was shot by Orange County Sheriff's Police outside the WWE Performance Center. Um, I've talked about him many times. There's a reason why he's called the, the piss, shit, milk guy. Um, if you Google and look far enough, you'll see some things that may haunt you for the rest of your life. This guy is very, very sick. But if you just want a couple of quick moments, here's the news report that took place in Florida at that time of Montalvo being shot in front of the WWE Performance Center this week in 2015. Outrageous behavior. Ah! And over-the-top nuttiness. These are just some of the bizarre antics 
of wannabe wrestler Armando Montalvo, who caused a rant-filled ruckus at World Wrestling Entertainment's training facility in Orlando. I don't got no guns. I don't need no guns because I caught a charge for having these guns. Montalvo is obviously trying desperately to get a wrestling job, but he's also reportedly obsessed with now-retired WWE diva A.J. Lee. Someone inside the training facility videotaped Montalvo's version of SmackDown at the front door. Come on, man. Once you train me, you become your undisputed best NXT wrestler of all time. Montalvo is well-known to WWE employees. Cops say he's been here before. Here they come. So they called Orange County Sheriff's deputies who raced to the scene. Oh, he got the taser now. Montalvo tears off his jacket and rushes them as if he's a wrestler in the ring. He's getting tased. Montalvo refuses their commands. Then he picks up a couple of rocks. Oh, God. Oh, now he's ruining the lance. Oh, he's getting, he's going down. He charges like a bull, the deputy retreating, his gun drawn. A surveillance camera on the building showing the deputy shooting Montalvo once in the chest. Oh. That's not a taser. No, that wasn't. That is a gun. Montalvo was rushed to the hospital in critical condition, but he recovers. Montalvo later pleaded not guilty to charges of aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer, battery, resisting officer with violence, and trespassing. His lawyer says he has mental issues, but the judge ruled him competent to stand trial and denied bond. That prompted another outburst from Montalvo. I got shot by the police. I got shot by the for now, Montalvo remains in jail with no bond as he awaits his trial. The wild video is sure to be played for the jury. I caught a charge for having these guns! Where Montalvo's guns proved to be no match for cops' bullets. He's going down. Also this week in 2015, Jimmy Snooker arrested, charged with third-degree murder. This stems back to the 1983 death of his girlfriend at the time, Nancy Argentino. I know there was a little bit of dispute back and forth at that time. He wasn't arrested. He was arrested. No, he was arrested. He was charged. We all know the case by now. WWE would suspend Jimmy Snooker's Legends contract immediately because of this. And uh, it was a really, really sad turn of events. You know, you wanted to hope that it really was a tragic accident, but... When details started to come out, you couldn't help but to think otherwise. So here's the news report. Here's one. Uh, actually, you know what? Here's, I got a little montage for you. Here is three different clips for you regarding the Snooker arrest. One of them is a news report. One of them includes a clip from an interview that he did. It might have been with Sam Roberts where he contradicts, I guess, what he had previously said. And then there's a third clip where you hear him talk a little bit more and, you know, every version is different. And I think somebody reported that he had 10 different versions of how she got hurt at that time. So anyway, here you go. I think you'll find this interesting listening to it back to back to back. 
But first, he was a legend in the wrestling ring tonight. He's accused of murder. The family of the woman he's accused of killing now talking about her death. Good evening, everyone, at 11 o'clock. I'm Bill Ritter. And I'm Shade Benoit. WWE star Jimmy Snuka made a name with his flashy moves in the wrestling ring. But tonight, he's out on Bond in New Jersey, accused of killing his girlfriend three decades ago. Eyewitness News reporter Josh Einer tonight speaking with the victim's sister. Josh. And Bill, according to the criminal complaint, Jimmy Snuka told seven different versions of how his girlfriend died in just the first day after her death. And when prodded by the victim's family for 32 years, the DA finally submitted the case to a grand jury which voted to indict him for murder. Wow, I can't believe it. You know, we waited so long. You wouldn't either if you'd spent 32 years in Lorraine Salome's shoes, 32 painful years without justice for her sister. And when she passed away, something in my mother died with her. You know, optimism and hope. Nancy Argentino was just 23 when she was beaten to death in this Pennsylvania motel. Her boyfriend, professional wrestler Jimmy Superfly Snuka, the only person of interest. But even though Argentino's family back in Brooklyn sued him for wrongful death and won, authorities never charged him criminally until now. The DA in rural Lehigh County today announced Snuka's indictment on third-degree murder. The now disabled, cancer-stricken 72-year-old turned himself in from his New Jersey home this morning. The case revived after the local Allentown newspaper uncovered a never-released autopsy report, labeling the death a homicide. What would it be like if Nancy were still alive? Her sister Lorraine says the family never gave up hope this day would come. They even wrote an e-book about their ordeal, donating the proceeds to victims of domestic violence. And even with no conviction yet, tonight family members say they finally have the closure for which they've waited so many years. She'd be looking down. She'd probably say, way to go. So if this was such an easy indictment, why did it take so long to get it? The Allentown Morning Call is reporting the case went cold after WWE executive Vince McMahon got involved back in the early 80s. Tonight, that organization expressed its, quote, continued sympathy to the Argentino family for their loss. He was the high-flying superstar of wrestling. But now Jimmy Superfly Snookup is in the battle of his life. The Superfly! Wow, what a shot! The Hall of Fame wrestler has just been charged with the 1983 murder of his 23-year-old Brooklyn girlfriend, Nancy Argentino. Paramedics found Argentino bruised and gasping for air at an Allentown, Pennsylvania motel shortly after Snooka completed a wrestling match. She died the next day. Authorities say an autopsy found the 5'7", 115-pound woman suffered from a fractured skull and 39 contusions and abrasions. Argentino's sisters pushed prosecutors to reopen the investigation decades after her death. The family of Nancy Argentina has been notified about Mr. Snooker's arrest, and I want to thank them for their patience during the time that this case was being investi investigated by the grand jury. Snuka was married with four children at the time of his girlfriend's death and had a history of drinking, drug use, and womanizing. He had a previous arrest for dragging Argentino down a hotel hallway. In Snuka's autobiography, Superfly, published three years ago, he continued to deny the charges, saying, I didn't hurt Nancy. But her death continues to haunt him everywhere he goes. He was asked about it during a 2013 radio interview. So what had happened? She fell? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, banged her head, and you know. Was she conscious? She was uh, not feeling too good. Right. Snooka, who is recovering from stomach cancer surgery, is out on $100,000 bail. I'm driving down to Allentown for the TV the next day. Yeah. So the girl, uh, you know, wanted to use the bathroom, you know. So she got mm. out and went to go use the bathroom, pulled over to the side. And I guess after she got done, she came back over like a stream that was there. Uh-huh. She jumped and slipped Ooh. and banged her head. And I thought she was okay. I'm waiting in the car. Sure. And then sure enough, I looked out and I go, my goodness, what's going on here? So, you know, I went and got her and brought her back in the car and took off, went to Allentown and called up the ambulance, bro. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What are the odds? Man. Freak accident, a, huh? Oh, I was going nuts. Oh, man. And were you oh, a suspect wow. at all? Wow. Did they suspect you? I had no idea. Uh, well, they were asking me wow. questions and yeah. stuff like that, you know? And I had to tell them the truth. Yeah, of yeah. Of course. Yeah. Going to wrap this up momentarily. Actually got two more audio clips to close out today's show, which I think you'll absolutely enjoy. Uh, first off, 2016. Last week, we talked about how Finn Balor was forced to relinquish the Universal Championship because of his injury. So WWE, as a result, would have a four-way elimination match to determine the new Universal Champion. The match pitted Big Cass, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. I remember at the time, we were all a little bit surprised of Big Cass being in this match, but we thought, you know what, maybe this will help elevate him a little bit. He did not embarrass himself in this match. It was a pretty good match. So here are the closing moments of the match. You know, it runs about 12 minutes long, so you got a nice little chunk of this match here. So here you go. Closing moments of the Fatal 4-Way to determine the new Universal Champion. And Big Cass, power slam. Could be time for the Empire Elbow. Right to the chest. Beginning to get a sinking feeling that Big Cass just might pull this off. Big Cass said earlier, oh, Superman punch! Shoulder first goes Reigns. Kick right to the side of the face. Cover by Rollins on Cass. Is it enough? Kick out at two. Kevin Owens. Full splash! Cover! Big Cass is eliminated! Big Cass has been eliminated. We are down to three. It's now a triple threat match for the Universal Championship. Will it be Rollins, Owens, or Reigns? Our match continues live. The fatal four-way match for the Universal Championship has now become a triple threat match. Big Cass has been eliminated. It's Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns remaining. Dangerous positioning here. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, now Roman Reigns in the mix. since the bell rang to start this match, the intensity of this match, the sense of urgency hasn't skipped a beat. And here's an example why. Owens eliminated Big Cass. Remember, you eliminated via pinfall or submission. Reigns and Owens and Rollins remain. Reigns almost stalking Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a survivor. So is Roman. 
what these two have been through in their career, both with and against one another. Remember what Seth said earlier on tonight, it's almost a guarantee that Seth always beats Roman. Death taxes and Rollins beats Reigns. That sticks in Roman Reigns, you know that. Seth ducked under the clothesline, missed with the Inziguri. Roman Reigns with a boot, knocks down Rollins. Roman just seems so confident here tonight. Seeing in Roman's eyes earlier in the night. Yeah, you said it, Corey, right from the get-go of the show. Locked and loaded. Went for the Superman punch. Rollins caught him. Went the roll through. Roman would hang on. This time, Seth through the second rope, lands on his feet. Seth on the attack. Oh! Like he was looking for a suicide dive before he ran into the right by Roman. I'd be looking for his teeth now. And now Reigns went for the Superman punch again. Seth was able to duck underneath. Falcon Arrow plants Roman Reigns. Is it enough? He might have him. Check out a two. Roman stayed in it. Incredible action. Gotta wonder where the confidence level of Seth Rollins is in this match. Does he still believe that he is guaranteed to walk out of here? Does he still believe that title should be bestowed Seth upon him? Seth Rollins has no choice but to believe that if Seth wants any chance of being the Universal Champion tonight. Listen, Seth Rollins knows what Roman Reigns is made of. Reigns knows what Seth's made of. These two have battled each other around the globe. They know it's not going to be easy to put one another away. Both Seth and Roman are going to have to dig very, very deep into their playbooks to outdo one another. Rollins measuring Roman Reigns. Roman was stunned. Kick the midsection. There we go. Here we go. are turning for Roman Reigns. Indeed, this is awesome. It's Monday Night Raw for the Universal Championship. Roman's eyes firmly planted on the architect. Roman's feeling it. Spear. Seth caught him with an integrity. Kevin Owens back in. Super kick by Owens. You talk about perfect timing for Kevin Owens. A rejuvenated, revitalized KO with a cannonball. And another one. Superman punch caught him on the ear. Owens is out. Expect anything less. And Stephanie and Mick Foley realize how good this match is. With the richest prize in WWE on the line, how can you expect anything less from these four superstars tonight? Whatever it takes to be Universal oh, Champion. Oh, for the spear. Oh, it's caught Reigns. Looking for the pop-up power bomb. Looking to put Roman away. Roman with a Superman. 
Reigns counters, rolls him up. The power of Roman Reigns. And sit out powerbomb. Isn't it up here? Not enough. Check out again. The will of all of these men. This is what the Universal Championship means. Nobody's giving up. Nobody's giving in. You alluded to it earlier, Corey. Every call in the playbook you must tap into if you want to walk out of here as a Universal Champion. This only happens on Monday Night Raw, not on SmackDown Live or any other show. This is awesome. All three of these men physically exhausted. Who has enough left? Who digs down deep? Who can rally in the ninth? Roman Reigns, drive-by to Rollins. And Roman's got to get him back in the ring. Remember, the pinfalls oh, no, 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 no. have to happen inside the ring. Superman punch to Owens. Roman needs to get Owens in the ring. Exactly. That's where the pinfall and submission has to occur. Roman's got something else in mind here. Spear! And now it's Roman Reigns taking over. Roman's taking out both targets. He's got to pin one of them. Well, these guys are kicked out of, of everything. What the, the heck? Triple H! Triple H! With a pedigree to Roman! you got to be kidding me! What the hell is he doing here? Triple H just pedigree Roman Reigns! and Rollins beats Reigns every time. We haven't seen Triple H since, since WrestleMania. Where's he going now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, Owens oh. is out. Triple H is handing the championship no. to Rollins. You've got to be kidding me, no. Well, you shouldn't be surprised. Rollins was in the authority's pocket for two years. is sickening and there's no disqualification the official can't do anything about it
Francis and it isn't Justin Machak as we are. Nobody can believe it. I can't believe the game's even here. Finally, 2017, we had John Cena and Roman Reigns feuding online, feuding on TV, hyping up their No Mercy match. Kind of feels like almost the same exact carbon copy happened with Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. And it's going to be carbon copied again with Roman Reigns and someone else. But... um, Here is the promo exchange that took place on Raw between Roman Reigns and John Cena. And at some point, you could hear John Cena picking up on Roman Reigns being very flustered and, you know, just caught in a brain crap, not knowing what to say. And, um, you know, this, I guess, forced Roman Reigns to really let loose. And for a point, Roman Reigns actually sounded pretty damn good on the mic. Unfortunately, that had was followed by... The uh, brain cramp. You'll you'll hear what I'm talking about. This is from 2017. Let me get this right. It's all good, Memphis. I'm just trying to check my facts here. So I'm scared to fight you? I don't want to fight you. That's what's in your head. You may not understand this because probably no one's ever told you this before, John. But you're not as big of a deal as you think you are. Wow. 
And this is the fact. I don't care what you've done or what you plan to do. I've done something you'll never do. I retired The Undertaker at WrestleMania. So maybe it's not that I don't want to fight you. Maybe I just don't need to. You're right. No, he's right. He's right. You, you, you don't need to fight me. You are the high exalted Roman Reigns. You are the big dog. Everybody back there knows it. Everybody out here still kind of trying to figure it out. You see, Roman, I'm what you would call a polarizing figure every week. There are people that, that cheer because they stand for what I believe in. And then there are people that boo because they don't. And then every single week you can audibly hear those people so desperately wanting me to change the content of my character. Maybe a little heel turn. But with, with you, it's, it's different. I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. They go back and forth with you. Because when they look at you, they see what I see. A cheap-ass, corporately created John Cena bootleg. just a guy a guy trying so desperately to fill shoes that you never will listen carefully young man I'm not the undertaker I'm not a battered veteran at the end of his career with a bad hip I am the fastest strongest and hungriest that I have ever been in my entire life and the reason you won't sign that is because you know if you do, your Roman Empire He did it again. He's the king of this. He can take anything and spin it. That's what he does. But it blows my mind that he stands out here and he runs his mouth and he's talking about y'all boo him because y'all want him to be a bad guy? They boo you because first of all, you suck. Hey, uh, uh, according to them, so does he, but that's okay. He want a gold medal. Just shut up for a while. How about that? And second of all... Go ahead, find it. Go ahead. Oh, wait. It's called a promo, Shut kid. Your if mouth, you want John. to be the big dog, you're going to have to learn how to do it. So go ahead. 
see your fourth wall. <laughs> the reason why they boo you is because they see right through you. You're a phony. You're a yes man who can learn how to do anything or be anything. So if you wrap all that up, you're just a fake bitch. Are we talking now, ain't we? Yeah, you're hearing me now, ain't you? Not only that, he's a part-timing fake ass And I'll be damned if I'm gonna bust my ass Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every single week so you can hang out on the Today Show. Then jump on his big old bus and hell, maybe I'll come to a WWE show if they pay me enough. But what are you really gonna do, John? What are you gonna do, huh? You're gonna jump off that bus with that big ass shuffle. That big shut, that big shovel, that's what you're gonna do, and you're gonna bury as much young talent as you can. Because that's what you do, right? That's how you stay on top of the mountain. You'll do anything. You're just a backstabbing shark. But the thing is, the reason why you don't like me, what irritates you about me, you can't bury me, John. You can't touch me. Hell, I think this is fitting. I'm the one guy in the WWE that John Cena can't see. So now tell me this. Why would I want to lessen myself, my legacy, my bloodline to be the next John Cena when I can be the one and only Roman Reigns. You done? You done? You, you see, you see, because Roman Reigns is a fool. Roman Reigns is a damn fool. There's an old saying, it's better to keep your mouth shut and have people think you're stupid than to open and prove them right. You, of all people, you, waltz down here and use the same pathetic excuse that every other single person before you has done. You, with all your gifts and all your opportunities, you have the gall to blame me. That's fine, that's fine, big dog. Congratulations, it took you five years to cut a halfway decent promo, but now I'm about to shrink you down to size. Oh boy. Okay. So everybody back there thinks I got this mythical golden shovel, that I got these magical powers that I can control everything and keep everybody's fate. Dude, I can't tell if you're blind or stupid. Look and listen. They hold the keys. They always have. They always will. But 
You gotta blame me. Fine, I've been hearing that racket for 10 years and I ain't tired yet. I'm strong enough, I've been called a lot worse by a lot tougher. But you actually believe that I'm a shark, that I hold everybody down, that I swim to the top and keep them underwater at any and all costs. I'm a level with you, homie. I haven't main evented WrestleMania in five years. I was the opening match at SummerSlam. I was honored and privileged to earn the United States title at this stage in my career and use it as a beacon of opportunity to introduce new superstars to the WWE like Kevin Owens and AJ Styles, just to name a few. You took the U.S. title as a demotion. And you stand there and blame me. Fine, I blame you. I'm still here because you can't do your job. When it comes to this yard, you probably haven't learned it yet. There's only one rule, step up or step aside. And over the years, there's been a few to step up, but nobody to ever keep up. And then I finally hear about this one guy, the guy, the Roman Reigns, the one that can keep up. And now I look at you and I listen to you. You should be ashamed I'm a part-timer because I can do this part-time better than you could ever do it full-time. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Joe LaDuke, Mad Dog Vashon, Bam Bam Bigelow, Flyboy Rocco Rock, Tarzan Lopez, Steve Rickard, Fat Frank Iadavia. Happy birthday to all of you. God rest your souls. Fat Frank, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do a little bit of managing in your Jersey promotion. So had a lot of fun. Jody Hamilton turned 80. Stan Hansen, 69. Dale Lewis and Aguilar Solitaria, 64. El Vigilante, 62. King Kalua, 60. Todd Champion turns 58. The Mongolian Mauler, 57. Tracy Smothers, 56. Mike Rapata, 54. Casey Thunder, 53. Tama turns 52. Lady Star, 51. Scott Stanford, 50. Joey Legend turns 49. Sim Snooker, 47. Douglas Williams and Bob Evans turn 46. Sin Bodhi turns 45. Princess Blanca, 44. Sua turns 43. Jeff Hardy, 41. Ricky Reyes, Tank Tolan, and Linda Miles turn 40. Mickey James turns 39. Osamo Namaguchi turns 38. Caleb Conley turns 35. Jimmy Blade and TJ Perkins, 34. Allie turns 33. Sammy Callahan, 31. And happy birthday to Ember Moon. She turns 30. Notable debuts this week in history. Larry Zabisco in 72. Shinya Hashimoto in 84. Naomi in 2009 and Mojo Rawley in 2012. And finally, those who passed away this week in history, Nikolai Volkov, not 
the Nikolai that you saw regularly in WWF. There's a different Nikolai Volkov. This person actually had the original Nikolai Volkov name, spelled differently too. Nikolai Volkov and Otto Luger died at 86. Mr. Fuji and Bert Azarati, 82. Killer Kowalski, 81. Karloff Lagarde, 79. Farmer Bailey at 67. Dale Lewis at 64. Tarzan Lopez at 63. Boris Malenko, 61. Marty Gibson and Rick Renslow at 53. Iron Mike Steele at 52. Chris Colt, Bearcat Wright, and Billy Rayborn died at age 50. Beautiful Bobby Dean died at age 40. Jay Youngblood at 30. And J.C. Bailey passed away at the young age of 27. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week in wrestling history. I will return next week with episode 36. And uh, it's going to be a real fun show as well. Got some stuff already working on for that episode. So tell me what you think. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. And if you like what we do and you want a little more and at the same time help us pay the bills, keep these free for everyone, keep the lights on, consider our Patreon page patreon.com slash Don Tony for five bucks. You get access to all of our Patreon exclusive podcasts there. Yours truly and missionary of wrestling soup. We do a show together every other week. It's called breakfast soup. There are hundreds of hours of content there. If you always wanted a Kevin Castle solo show, he has a solo show there. Hundreds of hours of content as well. Talks about wrestling, music, personal, pop culture, movies, anything you want discussed, it's covered. That is on there as well. We have pay-per-view predictions, contests, giveaways. We're constantly, you know, polling everyone with ideas. And I already started testing out some vlogging. There's two little vlogs up there. I got my equipment, my video equipment, setting it up. So very shortly you will have uh, much ado about nothing, which is going to be, you know, the theme of the new vlogs coming out. It's going to be. So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at Marshall's. No one tries to be unsafe online, but during the holidays, when you give up info and privacy, you may give up safety, too. Accept cookies to get holiday cookies? Ho, okay. Norton 360 with LifeLock helps keep your digital world merry and bright with device security, a VPN for privacy, identity theft protection, and more. No one can prevent all identity theft, but everyone can opt in to cyber safety. Visit Norton.com news and save 25% or more off your first year of Norton 360 with LifeLock.